Blog Talk Radio. This is Larry OG of video game music site OCRemix.org. Keep it locked to rich with real talk on gaming, movies, technology, pro wrestling, and mixed martial arts. This is My Take Radio. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. I guess the chat can hear me now and all my ramblings as I flung the microphone across the room. Yeah, Rich. All right. Sounds good. All right. Nonetheless, like I said, um, and I don't know if you guys even caught that, I've been looking at other alternatives to continue to use the, uh, the you know, the, this blog talk radio shit is just way out of hand. Um, it's not the equipment. It's not the microphone. I, I bought $150 snowball yeti microphone the shit should work i built a brand new computer from scratch that can pretty much cure cancer along with anything else and obviously that is not the solution to my problems with that being said this evening i will be having an mma roundtable i will be joined by kirk vangel and gary friedman from mma gospel uh they have also a show on blog talk radio every wednesday at 8 p.m eastern i will also be joined by josh wood uh, he's the owner and operator of MMAValor.com, as well as the MMA Valor store. Um, and I was supposed to be joined by Brian DeSilva from DeSilva MMA, but uh, he's not feeling so well. He may be calling in to contribute to the panel, but um, as of right now, he is MIA. Um, ads, you know what they're there for. Help us out. You know, stop through and do what you got to do with them. The forums are always active. Lots of crazy stuff going on in there. Uh, Mortis won our first UFC Fight Picks contest. He will be getting his prize within the next week or so. And uh, Mudkips and Bronx ended up splitting uh, the picks for the WrestleMania contest. So they will be probably splitting the prize if that's what they agree upon. Of course, if you've been on MyTakeRadio.com, you'll see there's plenty of new posts and tons of new stuff going on. Uh, The Facebook fan page, I'm going to start trying to make the posts also appear on the Facebook fan page. For those of you that are on Facebook 24-7, you can read what I'm talking about. And, of course, um, I've been working on a social networking plan uh, for the MySake Radio listeners. It is in progress, and something should be ready within the next week or so. MySake Radio material uh, and merchandise is also being worked on. We should have some photos up within the next two weeks. And with that being said, Let's do a little quick rundown. We're going to talk a little bit about Strike Force, UFC 111, Ultimate Fight Night, the Ultimate Fighter season premiere, uh, some MMA news. I'm going to try and, try and squeeze in some wrestling. I'm also going to try and talk some game news because a couple of things went down, and, of course, movie news because a ton of shit went down. With that being said, let's um, start bringing in some of our roundtable members. I believe Gary is holding, and we're going to bring Gary in first. 
if this switchboard decided to work. Hey, can you hear me? Gary, what's going on, dude? Hey, how are you? It's good, good, uh, good to get here. Things are uh, seem to be a bit on track now. Oh man, I don't know how you guys do it. I I really want to go over to Jersey and and do something bad. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do something really terrible. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky, uh, I have to say. But I've I've heard other shows literally right in the middle of the show go off the air on Block Talk Radio. So. Uh, oh man, I've been I've been hung up on. Um, they lost a complete episode that I had taped two and a half hours of, of audio gone, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But nonetheless, um, for those of you had, that don't listen on the regular, welcome. And Gary, before we bring Turk in, just let people know a little bit about MMA Gospel. Sure, sure. Uh, we're on every uh, Wednesday, 8 to 10 p.m. Uh, the Reverend Turk, who will be on shortly, actually, uh, created the show, uh, I'm a co-host on it, and uh, you know, what we like to do is uh, really focus on, you know, obviously we get a lot of the uh, bigger stars, we've had Bass Rutland and uh, others on, but we also like to focus on the younger guys in MMA, really the up-and-coming prospects, um, so a lot of times we'll have some uh, really good young prospects uh, on Rory McDonald, um Tyron Woodley, so that that's one thing in particular I'm proud of uh, what we do on our show, and also we like to have uh, feature journalists as well to get um, their thoughts. So show is now coming up to its 40th episode, and uh, things going really well. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, you know, again, uh, I think Tark does a, a really good job leading the show. So uh, exciting to actually share a roundtable with him tonight as well. Oh, that's awesome, man! I'm, you know, I'm. It, it's actually, I'm. I'm it, it's cool that I actually got to have you on the show. It's not often I can talk to a, to a fellow MMA fan on on my side of the hemisphere. Usually, it's somebody on the West Coast. I mean, you know, I got my friends who who are getting into the sport or watch the sport, but it's always good to find uh, fellow brothers in arms as well. Oh, I agree. Everyone has a funny accent, but us. You ever notice that? Yeah, of course. I mean, as soon as I start talking, though, depending on who's listening, they go, I'm from, they know automatically I'm from New York. But um, I see Turk is holding, and we're going to bring him in. Okay. Turk, are you there? Hey, how you doing, man? What's going on, dude? Uh, sitting here relaxing on the West Coast. Yeah, man, congratulations on the move. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Big move out here to... Um, California and San, and San Clemente right now, getting ready to move up to Huntington Beach here at the end of the month. So big stuff going on for me. Oh yeah, I'm 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 really excited. You're in a you're in a very big hotbed of MMA activity over there in Cali now. Yeah, you know it's a lot bigger than I anticipated it being. I always knew that they had a lot of stuff going on out here, um, but now that I'm out here and meeting contacts, man, they have more events than I'm ever going to be able to make it to. They've got smokers at like I can go to five smokers in one night if I wanted to. Plus the amateur events that they're holding in, you know, arenas out here. It's it's crazy how much MMA is happening out here. How much of um how much of a commute is it for let's say strike force events? Like if you have to go to San Jose and do and do an event out there. Um, you know, I'm going to be going to some strike force events. I just actually talked to um, the PR guy for strike force. Um, I know they're going to be coming out back out this way. Um, they talked about doing a Los Angeles event. I'm definitely going to be there for that because that's about a half hour from where I'm going to be. Um, San Jose is a little bit further, but hey, you know, whatever it takes uh, to do the best reporting on MMA that I can for Fighters.com and for MMA Gospel Radio. 
Oh yeah, um, I had I had Gary do set up for you and kind of educate our listeners on uh, your offerings on Wednesdays. Um, g- yeah. Give us a little background on Fighters.com also. Uh, Fighters.com is a site that I hooked up with um, not long after we started our show. Um, they're a MMA site. I'm really dedicated to um, not really putting out you know the typical news that you see. We we I've done articles and I'll be kind of hooked up. With put our show on other our player on their site um and now right now i'm actually the assistant editor at fighters.com um always putting out fresh articles every day um you know i sometimes i do three articles a day sometimes i just do one large uh you know thousand word piece um a lot of my stuff is opinion pieces um we've got you know stuff for real little bit yeah opinion pieces are great because you know not only does it help to bring listeners to your site or you know uh, readers to your site but man, it really gets them going. You know, some people are going to agree. Some people think you're a bum and a you know a UFC nut hugger. But whatever, it, it's good, and you know it brings out good top topics of conversation for the sport. Man, it's, I love debating MMA with people. So, oh well, you know what's funny? I've I've you know I being, being in New York, I have I am pretty now. MMA is really starting to pick up. So of course, there's the typical the demo that are hardcore fans that enjoy the sport. Then there's the demo that jump in and they automatically, oh yeah, I train at so and so school, you know, and they got to wear the tap out shirts and they they, yeah. they got to they got to they got to blemish the sport with their with their with their douchery, and um, I, I always feel that as soon as I say I'm an MMA fan, they're like, oh, you know, where, where's your tap out shirt and where's you know, and and don't get me wrong, I, I I'm a firm believer, I, I I like to support Affliction. I remember when they were coming up that they just put out you know one or two shirts and then. Even when they started their own promotion, I was kind of like, you know, they still support the fighters. Same thing with Tap Out. The only thing is that I always feel that Tap Out should be worn by, by guys that, that do it. You know what I mean? At least for me personally, because that's the big thing in New York. You put on a Tap Out shirt, and probably in Jersey too, Gary could probably co-sign to this. There's always somebody that always wants to, to test you, you know, because they see you have a shirt on or you got like a yeah. USB something on. It, 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 it's really unfortunate, but... I'm more than sure in Cali it's a little bit more laid back, especially that the presence is so strong. Yeah, it's, you know, there's you still see the same shirts everywhere out here. You know, you see your tap-out shirts, your affliction shirts. Um, in Huntington Beach, you see a lot of uh, the Razor Rob gear because, you know, Razor Rob's in Huntington. He's a big presence there in Huntington Beach. Um, so you see a lot of his clothing, the Razor wear there. But, you know, it's everyone has it. It's not like, you know, you see a couple guys wearing it and, you know, one guy's got to come up and try to test you because you have it on. It's just, it's just a normal everyday thing out here. And you know, for our show, that's one of the reasons that we're actually sponsored by KOBC Clothing, and they made our signature shirt because you know I wanted to go with someone who was kind of like us, up and coming. And man, they have, they make they have incredible products. Um, I, so it's it's fun to be a part of something like that. You know, I kind of feel like we're a part of. I'm not going to say the new Tap Out because, you know, Tap Out's been, they're such a great company. I'm not going to knock them. They've been around for years, and they've really done a lot for the fighters in the sport. But, you know, KOVC's coming up, and, you know, they're starting to do some stuff for some younger fighters, and it's fun to be a part of that. I, I love stuff like that. I, I enjoy, I enjoy. you know, I've been doing this show. Um, it didn't go into Blog Talk Radio until recently, but I've been doing it a long time. I've always I've always had a, a, a warm feeling for MMA. I think it's just because I have a, a short attention span and the fights go really fast, which I enjoy. You know, I don't watch I, – I, football, I watch the fourth quarter. Baseball, I watch the ninth inning. Fourth quarter basketball, UFC, or any MMA fight, I will watch from start to finish. I can't even watch boxing for, for an entire duration. I don't know what's wrong with me. But um, nonetheless, 
Let's get into a little bit of, of the roundtable. I'm going to bring in Josh from MMA Valor, and we're going to get this cracking. Let's see. Josh, are you there? What's up, man? What's going on, dude? Not much. Just sitting here. All right. Let's, let's get it rocking. First off, um, even though it's going back a little bit, I wanted to talk with you guys about UFC on Versus. And um, first off, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on John Bones Jones. And what did you guys think of his performance, and where do you see him placed? I guess um, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Turk first. What do you think, man? Man, um, first I think the UFC on versus. I think the event itself was a fantastic event. Um, you know, for the first event that they put on there, I think the fights were incredible. You know, you got uh, some submissions, you got a, you know tapouts, knockouts. It was just all around a great card. And John Jones. He shocked me, man. I'm not going to lie. He shocked me. I thought Brandon Vera was going to do a lot better than that. Um, I'm a big Brandon Vera fan. Not that I'm not a John Jones fan, but you know, I've kind of watched Vera as he's come up, and I, I really thought he was going to be the next big thing in the division. Um, Jones is interesting, though. He's the, thing I, the problem I have with John Jones is he's very unorthodox when it comes to his striking, and I think that's going to get him in trouble um, if he's not careful. I do think he's working with the great camp. I think uh, you know they're really working a lot on – the mistakes he was making before, and it showed in the brain of Verify. Um, I think sky's the limit for him, but you know, Greg Jackson's really going to have to iron out, you know, his uh, unorthodox movements because you know Chuck Chuck Liddell had some unorthodox striking as well, and people are starting to figure it out and look what happened. So we'll see what happens with John Jones, but I, I think under Greg Jackson's tutelage, he can go a long way. I think um, the thing with John Jones is uh, that's what made me a fan automatically. Watching him fight was like watching. Street Fighter, you know, he, yeah. had, he was so unique, his striking was so crisp and so precise, his angles were a little crazy, but you know what it is, I think one of the things, and, and Chuck also, Chuck's fighting style, while it is unorthodox, is pretty much the same, it's a lot of counterpunch strike, counterpunch strike, he doesn't really do a lot of ground stuff, so people, yeah. you know, after they see him fight for a while, I, I'm a big fan of keeping yourself unorthodox, especially if you vary your game plan, and that's one thing I appreciated with his uh, post-fight speech, and he even put it up on Twitter. He's like, you know, if you work on the unorthodox stuff on a consistent basis and make that a, a, a solid part of your game plan, people aren't going to know what to expect. You know, when he comes out spinning elbows, you know, that, that coming up from the bottom and then doing hooks from, from a position that a hook shouldn't even be delivered from, I think it's very unique and it's fresh, and it just shows that he's a young dude, and I'm more than sure he's going he's gonna to definitely settle down as he goes, you know, into later fights. But right now, I think he's just going out there and having a lot of fun, man, and, and I'm enjoying it. I was really bummed with uh, the Matt Hamill incident. Yeah. What about you, Gary? What do you think? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, a couple things. Uh, like like Turk had mentioned also, I'm definitely surprised that um, the ease, actually, at which Jones was able to take uh, Brendan Vera. I, I actually also predicted Ver Brendan actually that too much for Jones in the fight and win the fight. Um, but going back, and you know, I, I, I can't help always, uh, you know, making uh, references to boxing because, again, that's really the first love uh, of my Yep, boxing. that's your bread and butter. <laughs> exactly. And um, the, the one guy I can liken John Jones to is Roy Jones Jr. And the reason for that is Roy Jones Jr. did just about everything wrong that a boxer can do as far as how he fought with his hands down and led with his, you know, a straight right. 
So, you know, he, he just, if you had to teach a young fighter what to do, you wouldn't want them to watch Roy Jones. But because of his athleticism and, and some unique, it real, and I guess the word really is there, unique talent that he had, he was able to get not just get away with it, but go on to a Hall of Fame career. I think John Jones, in a lot of ways, is like Roy, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, is, is like Roy Jones uh, because he can do things wrong, but he's got this unique skill set that lets him get away with it. And in essence, it's almost a bigger weapon for him because he has an unpredictable uh, ability to uh, really pull off moves. And if you look at the, the, the move he used to, to knock out Brandon Vera, Brandon's been around for a long time. You'd think he'd know to be able to you know defend against the elbow while he was in the guard, yet... Jones was able to land it and and land it to so hard that it basically you know it, it ended the fight. So you know in in a lot of ways I think that his unconventional style added to the fact that he's one of a real student of the game still and studies films constantly to try to improve. You know just speaks to potential that I, I think is is probably better than any other fighter in the sport. I've got to say that just if you, if you look at his his skills, his size, his age, he's the best young fighter in the sport and I actually think he's going to eventually uh be up there in the top uh, top pound for pound. So the Brandon he made a believer out of me on uh, the Brandon Vera fight. Um I've got to say that. Nice. What about you, Josh? What did you think of uh John Bones Jones's performance? Um, I mean, he looked he looked awesome. I mean, I actually thought he would win the fight. Um, I, I picked him to win. I just thought he would be too much for Vera. Um, the thing that's crazy about uh, Jones is he's only 22. Yeah. And, you know, now that he's in there with Greg Jackson, I mean, I, I think he's learning right now, you know, how to fight in the, in the ring, you know, at this young age. And, I mean, I think in about two years under, under Greg Jackson, he's just going to be, you know, just a, a big time threat in that division. Nice. Well, you know what? In, 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 in breaking it down the way you guys did, if each of you could choose who his next opponent would be, we'll start with you, Josh. Who, who do you think he'd match up well against, given his striking and his orthodox style? Uh, let's see. What a two hundred five. A lot of the, a lot of the main two hundred fives are, you know, booked right now. Um, you know, maybe a Rich Franklin. You know, someone in the in the ten to fifteen range. <laughs> nice, um, Rich Fra- I was going to say Rich Franklin too. What about yeah. you, Gary? Uh, definitely an interesting question because I got to tell you, I at first I really considered Brandon Vera to be in the top five. So to me, he's you know, or at least coming close to the top five, um, at least top ten. So to me, he's already beaten a guy who's solidly in the top ten. Um, I think I think a few things. In a lot of ways, I don't like to see two young fighters sometimes fight each other so soon in their careers. Mm-hmm. But I, I think a fight against Ryan Bader would be an interesting fight as far as uh, if Bader could take Jones down and um, it, you, to see how Jones uh, really would react to uh, a wrestler like a Bader. Um, but ultimately, I, I think another really interesting fight really would be, and, and this one I could kind of see happening, is Forrest Griffin. Um, you know, I, I think he'd beat Forrest 
but I think it's also a fight that guaranteed fireworks and um, would show really where he is and, and also give Forrest, I guess, a chance at redemption. So I think it would be an interesting fight. So I think those are the two fights uh, well, I'd like to see. Forrest is, uh, is scheduled to fight... Um, uh, little, little Nog. Yeah, Little Nog. What about um? Yeah. What about like a Tiago or uh, Tiago Silver or a Keith Jardine? You know, I lost a little bit of love for Keith Jardine just because he's such yeah. a he's such a great fighter. But every time he loses, it's not even like you know like like a regular stop. It's just really like wow, he got fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It's never, you know, it's never like oh he lost a close decision. It's always like a KO. And I and I and he's he's a he's an awesome fighter. And I'm just like, damn. Every time he loses, I just I just lose not respect for him because obviously he's going in there, for, you know, fighting his heart out. But just you, you know how it is. Sometimes you watch and you expect something, and then it just totally blows up in your face, and you're just like, I don't know if I can, if I can go through it again. <laughs> That's how I feel every time Jardine fights. I actually like to see uh, Jones fight Rashad. I mean, it's a little too high up the rung for him, but I think him and Rashad would be a problem. You know what? That's the fight that I was going to mention. I would love <laughs> to see. John Jones take on Rashad because I think that that fight would have fireworks, man. Um, I'm not a big Rashad fan. I think that his jiu-jitsu is just. I don't feel bad. <laughs> I think it's really lacking, man. I, I, I first of all, I think his black belt's a joke, and I wrote an article on that. But anyway, he does have good wrestling, and I'd like to see him go up against Jones. I think that it would end up actually probably end up being a striking bout, and it would be fun to watch. But another guy who, and I'm not sure if he's booked. I'm actually trying to find it right now, but. Man, I'd like to see him fight Vitor Belfort. You know, I didn't think Vitor. about that, and, and Vitor kind of fell off the radar for me, but it, that wouldn't be bad either. Vitor's got really fast hands, and, you know, it would say some, a lot about John Jones if he could, you know, withstand the, the onslaught that Vitor Belfort is going to put on him in the first, you know, three minutes of the fight. Well, Vitor, though, I mean, it'll, that will depend on if he wants to fight at 185. I mean, I know he wants a piece yeah. of Anderson Silva, so, you know, he'd have he to go up to... He can do 205. He's, you he, know, he's he can, right there yes, in that middle. Can. Yeah, it's just going to depend on if he wants, you know, to do that and then go back down or wants, uh, you know, Silva yeah. first. Well, you know what? In, in looking at it, I think that Rashad definitely would be an awesome fight. And even though, you know, his fight with Rashad is the last one on his contract, him at Rampage would be ridiculous. Kind of like an old guard, new guard with his unique throws and the slams. I, I, just, just, for the, just for the Rampage uh, fight hype alone would be ridiculous. <laughs> just, just I, I guess if I really wanted, yeah, if you want to talk about, you know, bringing a wrestler in, if I could have anybody right now fight John Jones, anybody in all of mixed martial arts, I'm gonna have to say I want him to. I want to bring in Middle Man, Middle Man versus John Bones Jones is a very intriguing fight for me. I mean, you got the ex-pro wrestler that you know is loved by everybody in Japan and all of the guys at KTT and Middle Man and John Bones Jones is a dream fight for me. Well, you never know, man. UFC's going out there. You know, they bring in the Fireball King. Let's talk about that. But um, the other thing I wanted to talk about. I'm not gonna go through every fight versus. I wanted to. Actually, talk about um, an, uh, a non-televised fight that ended up getting televised, and that was with uh, John Howard and Daniel Roberts. And uh, definitely, just great work for Roberts. Roberts is a is a problem. 
and uh, Hopper came in and, and handled his business. It was I was like, holy shit, <laughs> you know that that not was ridiculous because he left them folded out like a like a board, like a surfboard. What'd you guys think of the fight as a whole, considering that it wasn't even you know going to be televised? Josh, why do you take that one? Uh, it, you know that <laughs> that was one of the the vicious, most vicious punches I've I've seen from the ground. I mean, Roberts. <laughs> I mean, his, immediately his eyes just rolled in the back of his head, and then he got punched like two more times. So, it, I mean, Howard looked really good. I was surprised that Roberts took Howard down a couple times, had him, you know, had him, had Howard on his back. But I mean, Howard's Howard's a good fighter, man. He's really good. Yeah, that knockout was disgusting. From the it, it was. It was with no with no leg power. You know, you're coming no. basically from the knees. And just smashing, you're smashing his consciousness through the mat. It uh, definitely put a smirk on my face because sometimes those, <laughs> those knockouts are, are are pivotal, especially when you're watching it. And you're kind of ho hum, and you're like, "All right, this is pretty cool." And then you just go, "Holy shit!" You know that you you need that once in a while, and that definitely did it for me on this card. We usually know you're going to get a, a knockout or a, a submission whenever they uh, they show a prelim fight. So yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. Point. I mean, the funny thing to me about that fight was. He's not really a knockout artist. He's got, I think, you know, um, maybe three KOs on his entire record, and uh, he's got two TKOs. Um, you know, obviously he knocked out Dennis Hallman um, back at the uh, Ultimate Fighter 10 finale, but I mean, he's not really known for his power. And then to develop and to have so much power, not even standing, but you know, there in the guard on your knees, that, that was ridiculous to me. It was, I was incredibly fun to watch and it was one of those jaw droppers man you're like wow did that just happen exactly that's what's up and of course but i'd like to i was going to talk about check congo but he annoys the shit out of me sometimes so i'm not even going to give it any merit because <laughs> he, he, he'll win and then he'll cut like a, a 20 minute interview about how he's not a dirty fighter dude don't defend bullshit you know, and I hate when guys, it's like, look, man, you're, you're a monster, a ginormous dude. You go in there and you, and you fight your heart out. And yeah, don't be wrong, yeah, you accidentally knee a guy in the ball three times, <laughs> you know, or you accidentally headbutt a guy. But you know what? We saw it. The fans saw it. Let them make their own opinions. Don't, don't justify bullshit. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but there's no necessity for them to go out and have to explain, I'm not a dirty fighter. You guys hate me because I'm French. Just, just baseless shit. You guys hate me because I'm black. I'm like, I'm like, really? You're gonna use the race card in MMA, which is like the United Nations of ass whooping? Are you kidding me? He he used every single card there that he could possibly use. Um, you know, the French card, the the race card. Um, <laughs> I I didn't know if there was any other card he was gonna be able to pull out. I think he used all the ones in the deck, but and it shocked me. You know, I was listening to his statements and I'm like, wow, I can't believe he's actually saying this shit. I mean, well. You know. Sorry, I shouldn't say shit. I know we're on blog talk and we can say that, but no, still. Yeah, oh, I, I try to refrain, man. I try. Yeah, I heard. There you go. Yeah, but by the way, uh, uh, I'm sorry, quick, quick uh, just interesting little tidbit uh, fact. Um, you know, John Howard actually lost by basically slam, it says, um, to Woody Weather. Uh, let's see here. Woody Weatherby, who actually was a contestant on Ultimate Fighter, uh, the Ultimate Fighter show last night. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, interesting. I don't remember now. I think Woody did end up winning. I, I don't 
remember. For you sure, know, if you did, they're cooking up a rematch already in the lab. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, little yeah, little interesting tidbit. That's awesome, man. Now, now I gotta put that in the notes. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Congo thing. Like I said, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on it too much. I was just I was just disgusted with with acknowledging that it's like, dude, you're an athlete. It happens. Just let people say what they gotta say. No, you're not gonna be a favorite for everybody. Not everybody's gonna like you. It, you know, it happened. George St. Pierre when he fought Dan Hardy. No, not everybody cheered him. It's like it happens, you know. It's just he. I think he he was really emo about it personally. <laughs> and um, before before I close out the verses, um, I definitely was impressed with Alessio Sakara. Um, James Irvin just he should not fight at middleweight. He he, he looked God, no. really shitty. He looked really bad. I'm like, wow, dude. You look like, it's like I didn't know we had an AIDS patient division. Like, what happened? <laughs> Yeah, he, that that weigh-in was bad. <laughs> Horrible. He, he, did you you saw the weigh-in, Josh? Yeah. Yeah. He did he not look just as emaciated as you could possibly get? I, I mean, I think Rogan explained it, you know, the best. I mean, his cheekbones were it, his whole face was sucked in. Yeah, That's that bad, was like dude. if you looked up emaciated in the dictionary, there would be a picture <laughs> of got James a picture of him. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was awful one too. He's, he's so dynamic. He's such an awesome fighter. Like, every time he fights, man, I remember the flying knee knockout. Made, made yeah, my I like knockout. watching the guy fight. You could just sum up his, um, you know, uh, attempt as ill-fated and leave it at that, as far as <laughs> Good. Yeah, it, it won't, we won't see him at 185 again. No. No, I think, I think Dana White will be like, he look, did. you're going to eat a donut and you're going to uh, go up some weight and stop playing around. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I come from a wrestling background, so, you know, I know how hard it is to cut weight, and then also sometimes how easy it is to cut weight. And there's some guys that just are can do it very easily, and there are other guys that just aren't cut out for it. They're just their body type and the way their body reacts to the cut. They just can't do it, and he's one of those guys. He just can't do it, man. He, if, and I know I know Dana. I've heard Dana's comments. You know, I know he's not going to let him drop that back down and get him fighting. i got to give Dana credit for that for sure. Yeah, that's not healthy. I mean, you know, I, I, I diet down and I, you know, I put on weight over the winter and I start cutting weight as the weather gets warmer and, you know, you start, you start cutting out certain foods and you start, and you know, you do it gradually. But I'm more than sure he probably said, all right, I'm going to go sit in the steam room for 14 hours, you know, in a, in, in a plastic baggy suit and I'm going to ride a bike and jump rope in there and just lose all this water. And you get to this one point where your body just taps out on you and it's like, uh, no. And even after you replenish your fluids, your body's not 100%. No. You know, especially if you, you from a wrestling background, you know that cutting weight, that they'll tell you, it's like, look, man, you can't, you can't overcut. You have to take it in baby steps. Yeah, you have, you have to learn the proper way to cut, and it takes a long time. You know, you have to really listen to your body. Um, it's, it's a long, drawn-out process, and some guys take to it, you know, some guys can make the cut two or three times, and then, bam, they know exactly how to do it. They don't need any more help, and they can nail that cut every time, and it's not a problem for them. And then they can recoup, because not just the cut. You can make the cut, but it's, you know, being able to recuperate after the cut and in time for your fight. That's, mm-hmm. that's one of the most difficult parts, and a lot of fighters that seem to have trouble with that. Well, and, and, and Irvin fought, I mean, he's fought at heavyweight before, too. Yep. I mean, he yeah. fought at heavyweight and light heavyweight, and, I mean... He's got to stick with light heavyweight. 
Yeah, light, light heavyweight is suitable for him. It's, he doesn't have to cut too much. He probably walks around close to that weight anyway in real life. So. Yeah, he's like six uh, six two. Um, by the way, quick quick little update: Woody Weatherby, uh, who beat John Howard, actually lost last night. So. Oh, guess not. <laughs> well, you never know. He may he may come in in that uh, that little special little thing that they have planned that we'll discuss later on. Yeah, yeah, that, the that's... wild card. There you go. <laughs> that's true. By the anyway. way. Yeah. Quick thing on on the weight cutting, um, and, and Turk, I'm wondering if if this is like a good example of, of how horrendous it is um, when you get right up to uh, a little bit before the fight. Uh, one of the most memorable parts of season one of the Ultimate Fighter was when Josh Koscheck basically forced uh, Bobby Southworth to uh, go on the oh, I love like, that. On the that fight. was awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and you know, like I said, some people. <laughs> Excuse me. Some people just don't have the ability to make a clean weight cut, and you could tell he was not used to making that cut. I don't know why he got. I guess maybe it was just the opportunity to be on the show that you would I'm take money. it. You should. You should come in. I mean, if you're coming on that show and you know you got a chance of being on that show, you should come in. You know, a couple pounds over, and that's it. You should be you're walking that house and be ready to go. Um, well, of course, really now with the way crazy. they're doing it, you have to walk in at weight now because you fight the first day, so you don't have time to cut. But That's probably why they do it now. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I, you know, there were some guys that were coming. I mean, how many times we saw guys come in and they were overweight or they had to, you know, cut four or five pounds? And, you know, if I was coming in that show, if it was back the way they used to do it, if I was coming on that show, I'd come in at probably a pound and a half to two pounds over at the very most. Yeah. Um, and, and then I, because like you can shred that, man. Like you can drop two pounds in five, ten minutes in a sauna and on a bike. Put the bike in the sauna, ride it. You're dropping it. You're shedding that weight in a heartbeat. There you go. Or just going, going to the bathroom. You know, going to the bathroom, distilled water. You know, all, all the typical tricks. But yeah. um, I think I think if me if if I ever decided to go and fight, I'd have to fight at 205, which sucks because I'm about as tall as Matt Sarah. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that that would be a bit of a problem. But um, you kind of sound like Matt Sarah too. Yeah, I, I like him. He's a uh, he, he's an interesting guy, and it's funny. His school is up the block from my office, and you know, and, and it's funny because it's a great segue now into talking about one eleven. Um, I've always liked him. I'm always a fan of, of the little dude because man, they surprise the shit out of you. I think George St. Pierre goes to bed every night and just sees a cannoli wrapped in a four-ounce glove punching him in the face and has nightmares on a consistent basis. And even though I like GSP, it, it was very satisfying because it just continued to reinforce the fact that in MMA anything can happen. Yeah, I, I agree. Think GSP is, it would, uh, it would, is thanking him now, though. I mean, look at how much better he got after getting his ass beat. He needed that. He needed the weight. He did. Cover. You know what it is? He's a young dude, and... and you got to look at it like this, and, and you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound crazy, but look, you're young, you're not an ugly dude, you live, in, you live in Montreal, you go to the clubs, you party. I doubt GSP sleeps alone any night. You know what I'm saying? So he, he, probably, he probably thought, all right, I'm, I'm going to go and run through this little dude. He, he's, not, he, he's nothing. You know, he got knocked out by Shoney Carter, whatever, who cares. And he, he wasn't, he got caught out there, man. He got caught sleeping, and he got less sleeping, too. But, and you know what? It's, it's funny that, uh, you know, Josh said it's probably the best thing that happened to him because I believe that since we're talking about UFC 111 now, um, that this loss 
that Dan Hardy just suffered at the hands of GSP is probably the best thing that ever happened to him. I, I foresee big things for Dan Hardy. Um, I, I, I still, I'm going to have to preface this by saying I don't think Dan Hardy's a knockout puncher. I know everybody keeps talking about his power, but look at his record. He doesn't have that many knockouts on his record. He's not, you know, he's not a guy like Shane Carlin. It's just no, not who Shane, he is. But Shane Carlin is a, I have a really funny thing to say about him. When he gets him. Shane, Shane Carlin is a, just just a problem. But in, in sticking with the, with the GSP and Hardy fight, since we're, since we're doing so well with it, overall, I think I wasn't impressed with Hardy in the beginning. I started watching the primetime special. I was like, wow, he trained in the fucking Shaolin Temple. It's like, this, guy, this guy's the real deal. I'm like, once I saw that, I'm like, it's, it's Shaolin Master Killer. It's like, holy cow. You know, like, this kid, this kid has all the tools. He's really dedicated to his craft. But, but like anything else, you know, you have youth on your side. And, and look, you've lost to the best pound-for-pound guy in your division. So what? The, uh, once again, it's all about what you do with that loss. You either dwell on it and continue to be mediocre if, if you choose to be that way, or you learn from it and become better. And Dan Hardy's going to be a dangerous dude after this loss. Mm-hmm. And, and St. Pierre even told Hardy that after the fight. You know, he told him that, yeah. you know, he did better in his first title defense or f- title fight than GSP did. And, and uh, I mean, I agree. I mean, Hardy, you know, if he takes from from this fight, you know, what he needs to improve on, He's going to be better. He'll, his next time out, he'll be better. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's unfortunate because it, it, you know like, it, he he became he grew on me, man. Like 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 athlete's foot <laughs> over the course of, of the prime time, and I was like, damn, I really don't want to see him get his ass beat. But I knew it was coming, you know. Yeah. He did himself proud. I can tell you. I, I know um, if you had gone to that card, I was you know at the arena and saw it live and. You know, I, I, I can you. tell you, uh, yeah. it was, it was, it was. First of all, I, I have to say, I know most people wanted GSP to finish him. I, I, I'm happy it actually went all five rounds because I'd rather get to see, you know, GSP's takedowns, his um, getting escaping the guard um, as much as possible. Uh, but I can tell you that the crowd that was there, you know, obviously went crazy for GSP and. Um, when the fight was started, Hardy, you know, not really favored or, or, or that well liked, really. But after the fight was over, I don't think there was one person in the crowd who I heard who didn't have more respect for Hardy. So, you know, granted he lost every minute of every round pretty much, but yeah. he did earn a lot of respect. Well, you know, yeah, and, 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 oh, no, I was you know I wasn't a big Dan Hardy fan before this fight. To be honest with you, I kind of thought he was a brass, cocky. Um, I mean, I, I love his walkout song. I gotta I gotta be honest, and I'm gonna be. I wanted to say it on my show, but we didn't have a show this week. So anybody who walks out the Cox Bar is by far cool in my book. Um, fantastic song, um, but he came out and just like Gary said, he lost every single minute of that entire fight, all five rounds. But to hear him afterwards, at the, at the press conference afterwards, and then some of the interviews he's done since then, you know, he's really taken this to heart, and you know, he knows that GSP's wrestling was much better, that he had nothing for him on the ground, really didn't show any offense from his back. Um, you know, if he goes out and really works on that, I expect big things from Dan Hardy. And I, real quick before I pass it off, back off, um, I've I got to say, over and over and over again, every time I watch GSP fight, I'm just so impressed with 
his wrestling because he never wrestled in high school, never wrestled in college, and this guy has the best wrestling in all of MMA right now. His te- double leg takedowns go in so deep, you have no shot at sprawling on those things. It's crazy. Incredible. It's almost crazy. <laughs> but, um, no, you know, you know what it is? And one thing that kind of um, definitely freaked me out, and Gary, since you were there, you can, you can probably co-sign to this, did you get the feeling when they showed Dan Hardy on the big screen that you can just see he started just looking more and more defeated mentally as the fight progressed? Like when they'd zoom in and they'd see him in the corner and, you, and he'd be ready to start the next round, I, I kind of got the air of defeat, but not defeat in the sense of, oh, man, this guy's, this guy's going to beat me, but more so just defeat because he was like, damn, I can't stop these takedowns. I can't stop these takedowns and every you know, like, did, did you get the same vibe? Did he have that, that, that aura of defeat to you? Yeah, I, 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 think, I think just about everybody there really got that vibe, um, you know, after, especially really after the second round when it became evident that, um, you know, like Turk mentioned, he had nothing to offer, um, you know, once he, uh, when GFP, GSP was on top. He had no offense to offer. So you could definitely sense that. Um, I think one also thing that way you also could sense that was just by the fact he he really didn't let a lot, even a lot of haymakers go. Um, so that 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 overall hardy cockiness, you know, really wasn't there for the most part. You know, after um, really after the first round, probably. But if, when he stepped in the ring, he was still trying to taunt GSP. So it was there prior, you know, prior to the fight. But again, I, I think he was just probably you know, surprised at the extent of uh, GSP's dominance. And uh, in answer to your question, yeah, it, it definitely was evident that, uh, you know, his uh, his psyche was uh, definitely um, affected uh, early in that fight, and uh, he, never got, he never got the confidence back again. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, you know what's funny? I actually have a, uh, I have a call on the line. I'm going to bring him in because he's been, he's been trying to get in on this. Uh, Hi, you know, you there? Yeah, hey, what's up? What's going on, dude? What do you got for the show tonight? I, I got to say, you know, I, I wasn't a Dan Hardy fan myself. You know, uh, before the pay-per-view, I didn't know who he was. I mean, he dude looked like a crazy mink, you know, like a, a soccer hooligan. You know what I'm saying? And, like, throughout <laughs> all five rounds, I mean, like, he displayed that soccer hooliganism. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was put in, like, really deep, you know, submission holds, but... I, I don't know how he, he's like fucking Houdini, like a British Houdini. Like he Houdini was laughing, British. Man. He wasn't, he wasn't. laughing, and, that, and I admired that. You know what it is? Because, and, and you know, Turk will probably come in on this, and, and Gary and Josh as well. It's like when you're in there for a belt, and, and you've come up to, to that level, and nobody's giving you any sort of a chance to, to even shock the world, because everybody kind of was saying, oh, GSP's going to win. You know, you're going to just let your pride take over. And don't get me wrong, you know, Forrest said it once. He's like, yeah, I'll let him break my arm before I tap. And then, you know, as time goes on, you start changing your rationale. But as soon as I saw that, I'm like, dude, your arm is going to get ripped out of its socket. He didn't give a shit. And you know what? That's what made me a fan, the fact that mm-hmm. he was willing to go in there and fight GSP with one arm. He probably would have He probably would have lied to his corner and said his arm wasn't destroyed, and it probably was just for the sheer fact that it was adrenaline and, and just the, the, the fact that you're reaching for that brass ring to be great, man. I'd, I'd leave my fucking 
my, my neck hanging in there if it, if it came to that, you know? So I definitely, that's what made me a fan. Yeah, for yeah, sure. You know, go, go ahead, ahead. Josh. Right. No, you know, I really think that there there's kind of like two, two phases of guys when it comes to submission. There's the guys that are like Hardy that'll basically just tell you, you know, you're going to have to break my arm to get me to tap. You know, and then there's the guys who, I mean, you, you get a half a chokehold in and they're already got their hands up ready to tap. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you, when seeing Hardy get out of all these things, I mean, if you're a true MMA fan, you got to at least, you know, respect that and like him for that. I mean, I know he's, you know, an ass and he talks a lot of crap and a lot of people don't like that, but, you know, the heart that he showed by getting his ass destroyed but not tapping, you know, for five rounds, I mean, you got to love that. Yeah, I yeah. fully agree. That you know, I and it's weird because I couldn't figure out. I used I've trained jujitsu in the past, and I've actually put some people in kimuras, and I couldn't believe they didn't tap. But some guys just seem to be more flexible than others when it comes to their their joints. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if Hardy's that type of guy. I don't care. I was cringing watching that, and I, Hell I yeah. swear I was going to relive something like a Shinya Aoki incident. Um, where he's sna- going to snap an arm or something. I knew- I thought it was coming for sure, and I give Hardy so much respect for that. And yeah, he talks a lot of shit pre-fight, but after the fight, he always seems to be respectful. You know, what he's doing a lot. He's doing something similar to what Tito Ortiz did in selling himself. Yep, Same thing I was going to say that Frank Mir did. And, you know, Frank well, Mir sold himself to try to get that title shot against Shane Carwin. Ah, but here's, here's the, and, and it's funny because that's the next fight I want to talk about, and that's why um I brought Hyena in. Um, Mir and Carwin was a lot of respect. You know, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of uh, you know, oh yeah, he's a great fighter, great wrestler, and Mir, I think, really thought that he had a shot. I mean, Carwin was hungrier than Mir was. Mir was looking past Carwin for Lesnar. I don't give a. I don't give a damn what he says or the bullshit he'll say in an interview. Mir was like, ah, this guy, I'll choke him out or whatever. Like I did check Congo. You know, I'll go through him real quick. And then me and Brock Lesnar, and we'll settle our differences. And he, he slept on him. I really think that he took it lightly. He walked out no. there way too nonchalant and way too chill for a guy who's fighting a, a dude that's 11-0. and 0, All his fights within a minute. He was way too casual. You know, it looked way too like a walk in the park. There wasn't any excitement in his step. There wasn't any, all right, let's go in there and, 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 and beat the piss out of each other. It was like, all right, yeah, I'll just go in there and probably choke this guy out. But, but I want Brock Lesnar, you know, and I think that's why he got caught out there. What do you think? I don't know. Mir looked like he threw the fight. Like, I didn't see, like, <laughs> any throw. I, I didn't see any punches thrown that connected. Honestly, like, he got bum rushed right, you know, his back to the cage. I'm sorry about the win. I'm I'm in like Chicago right now, and there's people out inside the club. Anyways, um, hey, he, I mean he got pushed against like the cage, right? You know, got kneed to his knees, not on one occasion, on two occasions, and next thing you know, he's on the floor. You know, I mean, like, really? I for in the back of my mind, it, it, it seems like you know, Amir is like, okay. Well, how, how many attempts is this on Brock Lesnar? Is a uh, third, fourth? It would be his third fight with Lesnar. It would, it would, be, be, the, the it would be the rubber match. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's kind of like you know, in the back of his mind, he's like, you know, here I am. I don't know if I can take Lesnar. Maybe I should just give it to Carl. Hey. I, I, I have to tell you, 
Yeah, I have to tell you, the the thing that surprised me about that fight, and I have to think this surprised Frank Mir, was not, you know, obviously everyone knows that Lesnar, uh, excuse me, that Carlin hits hard, but those uppercuts, the speed in which he threw those uppercuts, that basically were the beginning of the end, yeah. shocked the hell out of me, and I think, frankly, that shocked the hell out of, no pun intended, Frank, and you know, really was more than anything, you know, the reason for the fight, just the speed in which he was able to unleash those punches. But I can tell you, Frank Mir wanted this fight like, you know, nobody's business because, you know, he he's obsessed with getting Shane, uh, excuse me, getting Brock Lesnar back in the ring. So, yeah. you know, th- there's no way he, you know, I don't think there's any way that he, he didn't come in with just basically wanting to, willing to give up his life, actually, to win this fight. But, uh, Again, that that speed that Carlin showed was uh, really a shock, at least for me. Oh, that was yeah, nice I mean, controlled by Carlin. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Ina. I, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I like Carlin, but I mean, like, out of Mir, it was just like he wasn't there. You know, I mean, like, here you have Carlin. He, he's ready to go. You know, he's ready to bang. Yeah, and he was real casual. Mir, he's just kind of like. Well, see, I saw it a little bit differently than everyone else seems to have seen it. Um, you know, when he was walking to the cage, everyone's all, you know, after the fight, they're like, well, I knew he was going to get beat because he looked just too casual walking to the cage. I just thought he looked really focused, you know, really focused and really relaxed. Like, you know, he was in just in the zone and he was ready to go. To me, I, I was like, that's the most relaxed I've ever seen, you know, Frank Mir coming into the cage, and that could be really bad for Shane Carlin. Because you don't want to come in all amped up on nerves and, you know, end up going through an adrenaline dump and gas right away. And he, he looked very calm to me. So, you know I, mean, I don't know what happened. For sure. I didn't make and, and, you know, when you when you put it that way, you know, I can definitely see that. But you know what it is? You're in a title fight. You're going, you're going to fight a guy who basically is one step away from you fighting the guy that you utterly hate. Mm-hmm. There yeah. has to be... You, you you gotta have it in the pit of your stomach. Like I'm gonna put my fist through this guy's head, pull out his spine, and then beat Brock Lesnar with it. You know, it has to be that. It's like you can't come in there, you know, all zen like for a guy whose hands look like 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 canned hands. You can't do that. I, I you know I understand and I you know I can't agree with you that he might have just been like at peace. But you know what it was? He was at peace with the ass whooping he was gonna get. <laughs> I don't I, I don't I don't I don't think I necessarily agree with that. I think if you look back at all of Mir's fights, at least the last, you know, four or five, I mean he never comes in, you know, all jacked up and amped and I mean he always comes in with that, you know, cocky persona, you know, calmness. The swagger. You know? Yeah, I mean i I yeah, the swagger is, yeah, is swagger the best way to put I see, it. But, but I mean I he doesn't he doesn't come in all pumped up saying this is a title fight. I mean, you know, he, he's he's been there. He's you know done that. He it's, you know. Yeah, ironically, he's a true he's a true martial artist. I I know Gary, you want to jump in, but he's he's a true martial artist. Martial artists are focused. You know, he's doing been doing it since he was a kid. So focus isn't an issue for him. It's not something where he gets all amped up and worked up. As a true martial artist, you want to meet, remain as relaxed as possible. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting point, Turk, because it kind of segues into what I was going to say. Is you're right; he is definitely relaxed when he comes in the ring. And I, I think what's interesting is um, he seems he actually seems amped up when he does interviews with fighters when he's announcing and and when he's announcing. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, outside of, like, when he's got to be the martial artist, uh, he's a really amped up, kind of, like, really hyper guy. But in the ring, or excuse me, in the cage, I think, and I think sort of like what you were saying, Turk, I think his martial arts sort of calms him down. So it's kind of ironic uh, that, uh, you know, He's sort of two sides of Frank, but uh, I agree. He's he's mostly calm. I think when he gets in the when he gets in the cage. Okay. All right. I can I can I can I can gel with that. I can accept that. You know what it is. I think for me, I'm I'm such a I, I'm such a fan of just you know I, I like to see excitement from the walkout to the cage to the fight. That I think it just I, I think it throws me off when they come out and they're just like la 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 la. You know, just skipping down or 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 hunky dory. I think. I think I would go in there and really lose my mind within the first five minutes just because, <laughs> but like you said, and, and I had never thought of that. Like, he's, he's done this before. I just mm-hmm. think that he was so, I, I still feel he was just so hungry for Lesnar that he just kind of, he was like, yeah, I got Carwin. He's nothing. And then <laughs> Carwin gave him something, all right. So basically what you want to see is you want to see, like, someone like, like a Keith Jardine come down, come down and do his ring walk to, like, the Techno Vikings. No, no. I mean, like, I, I want to see more heart, like, in the ring. I want to see, like, you know, not, like, all calm and whatnot. Yeah, no, I mean, fight back. You know, I, I'm not talking about, like, sorry, I, I might have used the, the Techno Viking, uh, the Techno Viking reference might have been a little obscure. <laughs> no, you know what it is? I, I, and I understand what you're saying. And, and it's true. Jar, that's why I had referenced Jardine earlier. Jardine's a dude that when he comes out, you're like, this guy's ready to fight. John Fitch is another one. Even though people complain and they're like, ah, he's a grinder, he's boring. Look, John Fitch comes out there to do work. You know, he's not there to get, you know, he's not there to be cheered. He's there to fight and, and fight to win. That's it. And, and you know, sometimes you've got to look at that. And I think that's what I enjoy, seeing just like when the dude's ready to get in there and put in that work. I think that the calm before the storm is cool when you're like Anderson Silva, you know, or when you're Lyoto Machida. Because that, those are guys that you're used to just being like, the most casual dude, but if, like, Vanderlei walked out like that, like, if he was in a trance, I'd be like, what the hell is wrong with him? You know, you, I, I, that's just me, I guess. That's just a fan in me coming out and really enjoying the carnage of it all, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else, Hyena? Uh, let's see. Uh, I came out twice. That was live, right? That was a rerun? Yeah, that was a rerun, dude. Kimbo Slice isn't fighting. He's fighting. He's supposed to be fighting Mitrione, right, guys? Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. A, that's a real. I, I, was, I wasn't too sure. Like I, 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 I thought of whatever, but leave Kimbo Slice alone for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, All right dude. no, that's pretty much it. All right, buddy. Dude. Thanks for the All call. All right, thanks again. All right, later. Bye. All right. Well, now that we uh. We, we we pretty much dissected Mir's entire psyche. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys is, what did you guys think of that stoppage with the KO? Do you think that, that the ref kind of had his eyes in the back of his head and wasn't paying attention to the fact that, you know, he was unconscious and he was eating unanswered shots? What did you guys think of the stoppage? Because I've heard a couple of different things, and I'm like, oh, he kind of got hit a little bit more than he should have after the bell. What do you think? It was late. <laughs> it was late. I mean, he, 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 he clearly, I mean, Mir cl- clearly just went limp. I mean, his face was on the canvas. I mean, and the ref was basically just, you know, looking at some girl in the second row or something. I mean, 
it was it was bad. But, but honestly, the ref the refs in that whole event kind of sucked. I mean, they kept breaking up uh, uh, the guys up against the fence because the the crowd was booing. I mean, uh, you know what, man, you you opened up a great can of worms, and I wanted to ask you guys about that. What? How do you guys feel about about the booing aspect of that? Especially, you know, I'll actually go to Gary first for this. Gary, you were there. How did you feel watching them boo that? Well, I'm wondering, is, is, are you referring to the John Fitch fight? I'm referring to the Fitch fight and even to an extent, you know, even Amir and Carwin a little bit, you know? Yeah, I, you know, and uh, actually, believe it or not, in the GSP fight, there was a, a few boos as well. But, yes, there were. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I have to be honest, uh, as far as uh, the John Fitch fight, uh, I was most definitely joining the chorus uh, for those boos. Um, I thought that was just an awful fight, and I, I can tell you, being there, the the arena was electric um, during you know pretty much all the fights. Um, when that fight came on, it literally silenced the place, uh, where you needed Pellegrino to come and, and basically wake everybody up again. So I have to tell you, I I, I think the John Fitch fight deserved the booze, and uh, I think that. Um, in in that fight, uh, you know, I really don't blame Ben Saunders as much uh, because I think John Fitch really initiated a lot of the, uh, you know, going against the uh, cage. But yep. you know, as far as I'm concerned, and I like John Fitch personally. He seems like a, really a nice guy. But you know, he's going to have to put on some a couple of really exciting fights to warrant being on a pay per view again. As far as I'm concerned. What about you, Turk? How do you how do you feel about about booing in general? Um, to be honest, stuff like that. Um, I would like to use the Anders or the uh, Vanderlei Silva rape choke on anybody that boos when I'm at a fight. There you go. Um, you know what? Right. Unless you have the balls to step in that cage and do it yourself, sit down and shut the hell up, man. Because those guys, I don't care if they are just wrestling, and if the guy is doing lay and pray, do you know how much work it takes just to hold somebody on the ground? Do you know how much work that guy on the bottom? He's trying to do something. He's trying to get out. It's not like he isn't. He does not like. He's not enjoying having a guy between his legs. I mean, just shut up. If you don't know what you're talking about, put down your beer. You know, take off your eight hundred dollar affliction shirt and walk out of the arena. Learn yeah, something about the sport and then come back. Yeah, I gotta just. Uh, and you know, I, I mean, I overall, I definitely have a lot of respect for anyone who get in the cage. Um, but I have to tend to disagree to a certain extent. And again. <laughs> the main reason, I'll tell you why. If every fight was like John Fitch's fight, would the UFC be popular right now? So, you know, that... No, no maybe it wouldn't. No, no, but, I mean, you're going to have fights like that. Not every fight mm-hmm. is like that. John Fitch is yeah. a is a he's a smothering type of guy. That's what he does. He smothers you. A um, grinder. That, a that's grinder. his style. Yeah, he, he's a grinder, exactly. Good term. Um, you know, not all fights are like that. So why do you have to boo the one that is? Do you not have respect for the guy? I mean, yeah, I, I've been I, I, not you specifically, yeah, no, Gary, but mm-hmm. anyone who's booing, why don't they get in the cage and see what they can do against John Fitch? And then you know, if they think, then if they want to boo afterwards, feel free to boo. I guess so. I, I just think just from being in the arena and you know seeing a number of fights, and there was a lot of fights on that card, ten altogether. Um, you know, that truly took people out of the flow and uh, out of the action. And 
I, you know, okay. I, I have to say, I, I just, um, I'm, you know, I like John Fitch, but uh, again, I, I think that uh, for people who, you know, are into MMA, that's something that, uh, you know, they, they at, at the very least, I think, have a right to be able to express um, express their feelings, especially in a fight in which, uh, you know, nothing happened for 15 minutes. Well, before I give my take on it, what about you, Josh? Josh, are you there? Did we lose Josh? I think we may have lost Josh. But, um... When do you see He looks like he's, he's still in there. I, I guess I'll wait for him to come back in. But, nonetheless, I think... And, I, and I'll say this just because, you know, I'm a pro wrestling fan. Uh, you know, I'm an MMA fan. And I know that, that there are situations, and, and I understand kind of where Gary's coming from. It's like, look, man, you know, you've got to express it. I mean, the Japanese, when, they, when I see Japanese wrestling matches, their silence is a show of respect. You're like, wow, why are these people cheering? This guy got dropped on his head. And they're just quietly enjoying the match. And, and you know, that, that's their show of respect. I kind of expect more from fans, especially since MMA's become so mainstream where people are a little bit more educated. Some guys just go to a UFC event because they get tickets and they go and they think it's going to be great. But you know what it is, and and Turk put it in, into perspective, it's like, you know, John Fitch is a grinder. That's what he does. And if you yeah. know the guy's fighting style, you're like, all right, this guy, you know, you, you kind of know what to expect. So, you know, you should just cheer the fact that those guys are in there busting their ass. Yeah, you don't want to cheer the fight because it's not exciting. All right, fine. But but don't sit there and boo the You don't need to boo, though. Exactly, exactly. It's just like either cheer or just, you know, respect the craft itself. Enjoy the... You know, enjoy the event, enjoy the ambience, and, and take take light in that, that you're there being a part of something, you know, uh, not historic in, in in some respects, but just something great, and, and leave it at that. I think that I feel for me personally, if I didn't like a fight, I'd be like, all right, this fight isn't as good, but I'm not going to be there, boo, boo, because you know what it is? You're going to either piss off the people that are there, you're like, all right, dude, really? Or you're going to, you, you're just not going to, enjoy it to the fullest potential. At least that's how I feel. I think that it, it, things are meant to be enjoyed, but on the same token, when the guys are in there bleeding for your entertainment, you've got to kind of take a step back for a second and go, you know what, this is a really technical fight. And that's, that's more so what I like to say. All right, if it gets really technical, yeah, it's not the, the, the most barn-burning fight there, but it is enjoyable, and that's, that's what I take light in. And that's why I wanted to ask you guys about it, just because, you know, the booing to me felt really prevalent like it was there was like a lot of booing especially like gary was saying for the fish fight it kind of pulled the the air out of people's sails and you know pellegrino had to set it off but i don't like the fact that the fighters then have to apologize for for you know oh i'm sorry i couldn't give you an exciting fight it's like dude you gave a fight yeah it wasn't you know it wasn't a ko or a crazy submission but it was it was a great fight overall yeah, I think Josh is back here somewhere, but um, I just want to let you know, yeah. I, I just posted um, in the chat room right now the article. I just did an article. It's kind of weird that you mentioned this. I just did an article on booing um, in MMA, and I posted a link on it if anybody wants to check it out. Yeah, and well, I'm back now. <laughs> no, I was going to ask uh, what you had missed, uh, Josh, was I was asking about what are you, you know, overall your thoughts on booing? I mean, do you feel that, you know, you're, you're entitled to freedom of expression just from the booing itself? Or, you know, can you enjoy it and just not, not like that particular fight without being, you know, obnoxious about it? Well, I mean, I think you're entitled to do whatever you darn well want because you've paid, uh, unfortunately. Right. 
Um, I do not agree with booing, though. Um, I don't really agree with booing in any sport, really. Um, but, uh, I mean, especially, you know, combat sport where, I mean, they're in there bashing each other's faces in, um, and you, you need to respect that. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't sit there and yell, you know, stand them up or, you know, <laughs> hit them or something, but you don't need to boo them. I mean, that just disrespects them and, and, and they hear it. I mean, as much as you don't, we, we don't think it, they hear it and they, they don't like it. There you go. All you know, right. and, and I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, with me going to more events, there's a lot of things that I see with fans that, you know, they, they, they really they bother me. And, and <laughs> with the, the more, the more we start seeing women fight, it get, it's actually even worse. And I know this is a segue and we don't need to get into this, but I mean, women fighting, the stuff that I hear out of fans when I'm covering events is horrible. And, and yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's almost to the point where it's like, I'm part of the media, but I'm about to get up and, and do something because it's just the things you're saying are horrible. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think the the women fights, you know, the female fights, especially for Strike Force, I've noticed they're they're becoming more readily accepted. I know we went off on a little tangent, but they are becoming more all readily right. accepted to the point where people it's all right, dude. Where where people aren't really shitting on them you know, to the point where it's audible, you know what I mean? Like, if you're hearing it, you're a member of the media, you're there. But, you know, I remember in the beginning, you know, when when I started watching some of the women's fights on Strike Force, you can definitely hear some really, like, like, put you in the tits. I was like, what the hell? You know, like, like you hear something, some really crude shit. But I think now it's it's becoming more, you know, they're, they're starting to be respected as athletes. And, you know, it's just a matter of being an educated fan and, Sometimes you can weed those out and, and really quick. Right. And, and, and it's tough. I mean, you have booing in every sport. Um, oh, yeah, there's going to be booing in every Like sport. I said, in football, I've been – I can't tell you how many football games I've been to. Um, and, hey, I've booed in football games. I've, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've booed – I'm a Bengals fan. i booed for my own damn team, man. <laughs> um, they just looked awful sometimes, and you guys, that's the way, as a fan, that you can express how you feel. Now, having said so, that, I I still don't agree with it when it comes to combat sports. Um, I, I don't know why. Maybe I'm hypocritical. I don't know. That's just my stand. There you go. Well, um, go ahead. Who's that? Gary? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, uh, you know, had I probably would be saying a lot of the same things i got to say had I not been at the arena uh, the last night, but you know what? I can't. I can't put myself on a pedestal right now and say I'm against it when I, you know, I was there. Well, you're guilty of it. Well, that doesn't mean I booed the shit out of stuff. I, yeah, I wasn't physically. No, I was not booing. I have to say, I, I was not actually booing. <laughs> but I was, I, I was sighing very heavily and and was really, you know, just, uh, you know. Well, you were holding up a boo uh, sign, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. If you could do like pro wrestling signs at MMA events and just be like, boo, and just have like 14 just people hold it up. a lot of O's. <laughs> I'd be like Gary the defense bleed. I think Gary had just bleed painted on his chest. <laughs> nice. Another little obscure reference, sorry. Right. Only for the hardcore MMA fans. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I, Nate Diaz. Um... I have I really have a love hate relationship with the Diaz brothers because it's like I love watching them fight because they're they're maniacs love them to death 
But man, sometimes they can just be dicks. <laughs> I love them to death, okay. man, but I'm like, I'm like, damn, man. So, like, it's like, you know, like when Joe Rogan interviews them, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Get ready to get Joe to get ignored, Joe Rogan. Oh, I just feel like, ah, you know, my brother's the best fighter alive. Blah blah blah. Fucking kill that other guy. I don't care. I'm like, oh shit. But um, his 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 uh, performance against Markham, man, beautiful. Really good. Perfect execution. It was. Well, let me ask you guys something. Since everyone thinks it was a beautiful performance, um, now I, I'm not saying I don't. I don't. But um, I'm not one. I keep reading everybody's articles, and you know, because I, I do my own thing. But I also, of course, as any other journalist would, I go to every other MMA site and read everything else I possibly can because I'm a horror for MMA. Um, but I keep reading all these people telling me how the move for him to this weight was incredible and, you know, that was the best thing they could ever do for him and he's going to go a long way in the division. I don't you know, know what? How can you tell that after one fight, man? It's one fight and it's against Roy Markham, who I didn't think was going to give Diaz much of a fight to begin with. So, and I mean, he was seven yeah. pounds overweight. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think he looked good, but I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon of it's the best thing that ever happened to Diaz and... I'm not going to bow down to him right now. Um, I want to see another fight, and I want to see a difficult fight for him in this way before I make my determination. Well said, dude. Well said. I have to. I got to agree there because dude. it's like everybody jumped on the Diaz bandwagon because it's like, all right, he did a great fight, and he did. Don't get me wrong. And I think you know there was frustration just because Markham was overweight, which is like you know my my own my own opinions can can fill this broadcast if I went into the whole not cutting weight properly issue. But the fact is that. Diaz put on a great performance. I just feel that you know, people are so quick to, to jump on that Diaz brothers bandwagon because it's like they're so, they're perceived love-hate, like I said. I, I, I've talked to fans that are like, dude, those guys are fucking assholes, but they can fight. You know, they, they always follow it with that. And, you know, it, it, it's really crazy how people jump on that bandwagon after one fight. Yeah, I agree. But by the way, uh, interesting thing uh, when we were uh, outside the Diaz uh, brothers, uh, most of the other fighters were being transported. Uh, we got to the weigh-in, which was really interesting. And uh, by the way, Matt Serra had done a, uh, a talk to the UFC Fight Club fans, which was yeah. just hysterical. But um, after it, uh, they were banning a lot of the guys back. But the Diaz brothers actually were driving in their own car. And interestingly enough, like, the fans would run up, they rolled the window down, talked to the fans, and, you know, I, I think a lot of what they do is, is, is really put on an act, but um, I think, you know, and I've heard people say, who've met them, is they're actually really nice guys, and uh, go out of the way, actually, to be really nice to fans and everything, so, you know, again, we'll talk that's about crazy. Hardy being an act, you know, the Diaz brothers might also be, you know, a large Oh, I don't think that's an act. No, <laughs> I, I think I think they come from they come from Stockton, and Stockton is not a great, you know, area. Um, uh -oh. They grew up fighting. They're just scrappers, man. And you know, if you say, "Hey, you're going to sign, you're going to sign for this fight," immediately the Diaz brothers automatically now hate whoever they just signed to fight. And <laughs> yeah, their pre-fight talk is dead on serious, man. They hate that guy. Oh, yeah. that's true. No, that that I, I agree. <laughs> they <laughs> but, do. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, as far as fan wise. You know, I don't think they're like, you go up to them, they're going to tell you to, like, uh, screw off or, you know, F off. No, I've actually talked to some of our listeners that have um, told me that they've met the Diaz brothers and, you know, they were as nice as could be. So maybe yeah, it's like something between a fighter and a fan, I don't know. And, you know, and then, you know, they have you know, their little differences there. 
Yeah. Well, that, it, it's funny you say that, and I think a lot of these guys, you know, they gotta they gotta flip that switch. The only problem is that sometimes, and, and you got and you watch it a lot, especially with them and Nick in particular. He turns on that switch, and sometimes you don't know if it's completely off, so to speak. Like sometimes yeah. he's just doing an interview and he's being a total douchebag, and then you don't really know if he's still in douchebag mode or not. I'm like, oh man, come on, dude, you know, crack a smile, do something. He's like, yeah, 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 crazy you did too, blah blah. Yeah, that guy, I'm not worth like in in you know Nick Diaz's uh, strike force. His post fight, he's like, yeah, I'm not worried about that guy. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it's like, holy shit, he just he just clown that guy. He's like, yeah, I'm not worried about him. You know, I want to fight George St. Pierre. I'm like, oh my god, what is wrong with you? Hey, I'll, I think they grew up in the wrong part of the country. Personally, I think they should have been from Jersey, but whatever. <laughs> nice. My favorite, uh, my, my favorite Nick Diaz thing I have to say, and I know this, uh, you know, may not uh, be other people's favorite, but um, you know, when he came out uh, with both middle fingers raised at the uh, yeah. the Frank yes. Shamrock, <laughs> I love that. I gotta be honest. <laughs> well, Frank, the, the Frank Shamrock fight was hilarious just because Nick Diaz was just in such a zone where he wanted to really embarrass Frank. He's like, I'm gonna kill this old man. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> you know, like. Like he really, he really goes for that. Like you know, like when they, like when they're standing up on their shit talking, they probably are like, all right, let's look at something that we can make fun of while they're watching tape. They're like, all right, let's make fun of uh, his tattoos, his haircut, his kids. You know, like, like they're really at that stage in the game where they're just like, yeah, whatever. Frank Shamrock, you're an old man. I'm gonna retire you, and that's gonna be that. And that's, and it's funny because they know how to cut deep, and you know, it's it's the Tito Ortiz school of fight hype, which you know, it's one of those things that. It's great for the sport and bad for the sport in the same instance. You know, when Mir said, you know, I hope Brock Lesnar fucking dies, I'm like, oh, uh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, this will not go well. And, and, and that's what happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are like, oh, my God, how can you say that? Blah, blah, blah. He should be fine. He should be It's like, no, he shouldn't. He's a douche. He did he, he, his pre-fight hype. He didn't read the book, you know. He didn't study up on how to do it right. Exactly. You don't wish the guy death. You just you just say, hey, you're not gonna be able to lay and pray on your wife when I'm done with you. You know, like like something deep, but not like I hope you die deep. <laughs> you know, you, 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 there's a fine line, and he definitely did not master that well. No. But um, we can stay we can stay on this shit talking stuff too. But um, <laughs> Rusama Rusama let's uh his leg lock and uh, his suspension uh, for it. Let's hear let let's hear it, boys. What? What First of all, his suspension's a joke. His suspension's a joke. Yep. He's not going to fight for 90 days anyway. Exactly. You give him a 90-day suspension. It's, it's, it's like you didn't do anything to him. You, you didn't no, punish you, him at all. You slapped him in his hand at best. I don't even know if you slapped him. You, you pretended you missed, to slap okay? him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the guy doesn't know English, too. It's like, it's like you ha- the ref has to like, physically let him know, like, dude, dude, let go, let go. And not for nothing, I kind of noticed that the ref was, he kind of got in there, but he had to really be like, dude, let, let go, let go. You know, like you're killing the guy. And, yeah, the ref was and, and too far away. Yeah, he was far away. Absolutely. Yeah, he was. And I want to see what you guys think of this. My personal opinion, and I don't know if any of you guys have, I know Gary hasn't, but if you guys have trained in jiu-jitsu at all, leg locks are very dangerous. They, first of all, they come on really fast. And when the, once they do come on and they're fully set in, they do damage really fast. They're not like any other lock that you could ever put on anybody. Um, you know, they're very, very damaging, and it happens very quick. And I think you have a responsibility as a fighter. Yes, you want to make sure you have it secured. Yes, you want to make sure you get the tap. But you also have to make sure that you're not destroying someone's career. 
Um, I think you have responsibility there. All right. But you know what it is, too? The ref, it's one of those things, and this is one one thing that always concerns me. It's with a lot of fighters, especially if English if English isn't their, their their primary language, you know they they have you have to be ready for body contact to let the guy know like break the hold or whatever. And, and it's one of those things where and I'm starting to notice is they're starting to get different different refs in, and some of them may know you know some of the languages and stuff because that that definitely at least for me I feel that is a factor because it's like he said it he's like look man you know I was in there I was doing my job I didn't want to hurt the guy, but. You know, it's like the, usually the ref has to stop, you know, has to physically involve himself to stop yeah. a fight in, in, in most instances. And the guy, like well, you said, he was too far. And then when he finally got there, it's like, oh, the guy's screaming now. And everybody's like, oh, no. You know, it's like, it's like yo, the guy did his job. It's just that the ref took a, 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 little, a little more time than expected. Especially when you have a guy like... Uh, you know, Husamar, who is known for his leg locks. You have yeah. to be ready to be right there. I mean, you know that's what his, his bread and butter is. That that whole, that ref thing, that was like the, the B team. That wasn't their A team for the refs. Oh, they had some <laughs> shitty refs. They had that one guy with the bad haircut, the G.I. Joe-looking crew-cut guy. I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> what the fuck did they get him? Like, like Murgliata, I know, Mario Yamazaki, you know, Eve Levine is okay. But I'm like, who are some of these guys? I know. That's true. There's, there's Herb Dean, and then there's every other ref, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to quality. I, I, I think Josh Rosendahl is pretty good, too. I like him. He looks what like do you a, think? I, can't, I can't remember her name. What do you think of the chick? I can't think of her name right off the top of my head. Oh, I think I saw her ref one or two fights. And she hardly, she only does, uh, you know, very few fights. And, and uh, I mean, from what I've seen, I, I haven't seen anything bad. I mean, it's not like early Eve Levine or anything. No. <laughs> Sorry, I have, I have nicknames for a lot of them. <laughs> That's all right. I think that, you know what it is, I think that, that Herb Dean, and, and you know what it is, some of these are trying to fill the big John McCarthy void, and one thing that helps is when you are a fighter. Like, that's why I think Herb Dean, a lot of people, you know, they don't give him a lot of shit. It's like, you know, he, he slaps leather, too. He'll go in there and punch a guy in the face. So he knows, like, certain things and how to get it. You know, and I think that a background in that is, I think a lot of these guys, they don't have that background. They're just hired by the athletic commission, or maybe they do boxing only. Yep. And it's definitely a hindrance. I definitely feel that an MMA background is, is key when you're an MMA ref. I think some of these fighters should definitely look toward, toward you know, putting themselves a, as refs, you know, at some point in their careers, you know, after their, their fighting career is over, because they do well just on the basis that they know what's going to happen. Yeah. Plus, you need big dudes, man. Like, who's going to referee Carwin and Lesnar? Who are you going to get for that? Big John McCarthy. That's what you need, man, because exactly. somebody's, yeah. somebody's hurting somebody with that. The cage may collapse during that fight. <laughs> oh, I'm God. sorry, the octagon. Let, let Come on, that, get that, it right. Yeah, get it the, right. The, the ref it needs a for that fight. The ref needs a taser to pull somebody off of somebody in that fight. Somebody's got to get tased. Maybe we should maybe we should just put Brock Lesnar and Shane Carwin in taser fights. I don't know if you guys have ever seen taser fights. Yes, I have. I saw a video of that. I have yeah. not. <laughs> oh, you don't that want to a, see it. That is that is bad news. But, uh, look up taser fights when you get a chance, Josh. Ooh, man. All right. <laughs> oh boy, that sounds. <laughs> yeah, the last um, you know, before we close out the the one eleven talk. 
Um, how'd you guys feel about um, Almeida's performance against, against Brown, man? I like Brown. Brown is a he, he looks like a serial killer. I, I really thought he was gonna do well, but I did too. It wasn't a good, yeah, it wasn't a good night for Brown, man. No, Al- Almeida looked really good. Uh, I mean, I, I totally thought that that Brown was was just gonna be able to, you know, not walk through him. But I just thought that his his heart and his striking would would carry him through to a decision, and it didn't happen. <laughs> Well, in defense of Matt Brown, who is actually a friend of mine, um, Matt was sick. I mean, I know that's not a, a, an excuse, but he was very, very sick leading up to the fight the a week before the, that week of the fight. Um, went in not ne- even close to 100%. Um, actually, I know his wife right now is now down with the exact same sickness. Um, it was. I expected Brown to walk through him. I really did. Um, you know, Matt's like you said, his heart. Um, his striking, I thought it was going to just be a slaughter. And, you know, it didn't turn out that way. He definitely wasn't uh, on his game for sure. Um, I'm definitely excited to see what, you know, is next for Matt uh, because I think Matt can be one of those guys that, you know, yeah, he's a little older, he's not 22 years old, but, man, the guy's got the heart of a lion, and I think that mm-hmm. goes a long way in the sport. Yep, he I agree. psychopath. I, I love that dude. He'll come out and it's just like, oh, shit. Yeah, like Turk somebody getting hurt. Yeah, he was sick. I mean, he, he really was, and like Turk mentioned, he really was ill. So, um, you know, I, I, I think we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt here. And, uh, um, I'm sh- you know, I'm sure he's not going to be cut. You know, uh, you always have to fear that now, especially uh, you see Elliot Marshall, 3-1 and one in the UFC and gets cut. So, But I think Matt Brown is safe and uh, really want to see him again. Almeida, I was, I'll tell you what, I was surprised. Um you know, uh, again, three years of you know, some years ago, he was he was the next big thing. So, you know, maybe he'll pull a Josh Hamilton, how he does in baseball, and like you know, get to where he was supposed to get, but maybe five years later. <laughs> nice, a nice, a nice lengthy road to get to the top. Yeah. But um, with that said, let's go into a, into a little fight night. Of course, we went into fight night, and and first off, I want to talk about um, Kenny Powers. I mean, uh, Roy Nelson, <laughs> and. Uh, his, <laughs> His his performance against the uh, the skyscraper. I'm, I'm going to tell you before we uh, I get your thoughts on it. I really really couldn't stand Roy Nelson. Just something about him. I'm like you gelatinous shitbag. I couldn't stand him when he fought in um, you know when he fought with the I. I'm like with the IFL. I'm like oh, I really don't like this dude. You know the belly rubbing definitely does not help, <laughs> but um. I, I was just not feeling him, but you know what? He, he, he's growing on me now, man. I'm like this this kid, you know, this guy. I should say this this guy is is really a sleeper. Like you see him, and you're like, all right, this guy's really not gonna do. And he just comes out and beats the piss out of you, and he didn't even take it to the ground, which is crazy. So, um, you know, with that out of the way, what what did you guys think of his performance? <laughs> I I think his performance was good, but I think. And I may take some heat for this, but I think uh, what really won him the fight is really Stefan Struve, who I'm very, very high on. Um, Stefan Struve, just uh, his lack of ability to use what he needs to do with his height. Um, with his height, especially fighting someone like Roy Nelson, who's so damn short, um, he really needs to utilize his jab and a front kick, a front kick to the body to keep the guys away, to keep, you know, there's no reason Roy Nelson should have got in that close. His reach is huge. Um, yep. And he didn't. He didn't do that. And that's something he's going to have to learn. He really needs to 
you know, work on using his jab and not throw those leg kicks. Those leg kicks aren't going to stop somebody from coming in. Um, so I think if he utilizes his jab more, he'll go a long way. And the kid's only, what, 21, 22? Yep. Yep, he's uh, another 22-year-old kid. Yeah, he's got, I mean, even, you know, Roy Nelson after the fight said sky's the limit for him, and I agree. Um, so I think it was a little bit of Struve just not really utilizing his skills properly. And, you know, to fight a guy like Roy Nelson, and then Roy Nelson just, you know, having power. I've always known Nelson has power, and he showed it. Yep, I agree. All right. Yeah. What about you, Gary? Well, I, I, I think the other uh, really interesting aspect of this um, was, you know, Roy Nelson in his, uh, you know, first couple fights in the uh, on the Ultimate Fighter, you know, obviously it's sort of a big deal made about how unimpressed Dana was with him and you know he did what he had to do when to win those fights and and that was about all he did but in the last two fights um you know brendan Schaub, who's you know a really really good young fighter also um you know roy set up a nice right hand and then in this fight you know same thing set up a really nice right hand you know uh, oftentimes you hear like lucky punch throw you know thrown out there but you know, in this instance, I think he really, really does know how to time this overhand right. I like to call it, I'm probably aging myself here, but, you know, a sort of Ken Norton type overhand right. If people want to see the best version ever of it, check out Ken Norton, Dwayne Bobbick on YouTube. Uh, you'll see the most vicious overhand right I think ever thrown. But, you know, he was able to really set it up, get in, and and just time it perfectly, and I think that was what was most impressive about the fight. Yes, yeah, Stefan should have fought him from a distance, um, but, you know, at the same time, Stefan also was very good with submissions, so, you know, he's got to get close to get him on the ground to, uh, you know, be able to get him into a submission, so, uh, you know, I think it was more just a, a matter that uh, Roy Nelson is a hell of a lot better than people, uh, I don't know if Turk realized, but frankly, I never realized how good he was, and I think it's just, he's just yep. that good, more than Stefan's that, you know. Yeah. experience or anything else. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I really did. I really did just just loathe him utterly because you know what it is. There, there's a certain ideal, and I, and I and I and that's part of it too. You know, just like a prejudice. You're like, dude, you really look like a guy that flips burgers in a diner. And and and, and, and I had to get past that to really be like, you know, but that's the guy. That's the, it's like Fedor. Fedor looks like an accountant. You know, it's like it, it's a, it's not the scariest. You know, you don't got to be chiseled out of granite to be a guy to smash people's faces in. And now that, you know, you start to, to see that more often, like you see some of these guys, yeah, they come in, it's like, all right, you're in great shape and whatever, and that's fantastic. But Roy Nelson, is, is the only shape he's in is round. You know, and, and he comes in there and he, he puts in work, man. And, and that was the thing, his overhand right. And I really think that was one of the things, and, and Turk mentioned it, about trying to prove Dana wrong. He's, I think he's really just trying to go out there and win fights without smothering people with his belly. And he wants to show that he's a more well-versed fighter, that he's just not about, you know, smother and, smother and submit, like I like to call his fighting style. You know, that he has great counter-punching and he has great stand-up power. So I, I, I was really impressed with him, and I actually want to see him, you know, make an impact now in the heavyweight division. I don't know about him ever winning a heavyweight championship, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Josh? What do you think? I was I was really impressed with him. I mean, I, I wasn't impressed with, you know, how he was on the show. And partly was because he was holding something back. Um, but I mean, that that overhand right was 
that was impressive. I mean, it, and it just made Struve just crumble. I mean, he just, yeah. you know, yeah. fell on top of his knees and it was done. Um, and I, I'm curious to see what what they do next with Nelson. I mean, do they start giving him some of the, you know, the the, the top talent in there, or, or do they let him fight another, uh, you know, Struve, you know, talent wise type of I fighter? I really wanted to see him fight Buentello. Can I tell you? I really did. I was like, wow, that would yeah. be a great stand-up. It would be a really great stand-up war. But, you know, it's funny because, of course, in, in speaking ab- about Buentello, you have, you know, you guys know he, he he didn't fare so well in his last fight against Czech Congo. But, um, you know, Buentello would have been a, would be a good a good fight for a big country. And not for if not, they not stand. Even, yeah, if they stand. If he goes to the ground, it's over. If he goes to the ground, it'll be over. The one thing is but, Buentello is just cut. You know, I heard that earlier tonight that he was cut, but now his management is saying it's not official. You know. Yeah. I, 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 think I, in, I like Buentello. He's a, he's a, he was a lovable dude, and I really liked what he was trying to do and trying to make his mark back in the UFC. And I was I was really hoping for him to be successful, but, you know, it was unfortunate what happened to him. But I always thought he would have been a great ideal opponent for Big Country. You know, Big Country wants to fight James Tony, but I don't know about that you know either. And. In your chat room right now, one of our listeners, um, Adrian Supreme Knight, was asking, and this is something that has been on Twitter today quite a bit. Um, he wanted to know, you know, do, do we see the UFC trying to get Mir back in the heavyweight title picture by giving him Nelson to fight? I think, actually, that's a very interesting fight. Uh, Roy right. Nelson and Frank Mir would be fantastic. Yep. Well, and I think there's a story behind that, though. I, I, uh, Nelson's called out Mir before, so, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean Nelson I when that. he when he first won, um, they had him on. Um, I think it was MMA Live on ESPN or whatever that was. He actually said that he would wanted to fight Mir. That's crazy. Uh, that, that might be a great fight for them to put on then. Exactly. But I mean, I I think it would be a good fight. But here's the thing, though. I would do that fight, but I wouldn't do it with Mir winning and then back in the title in title contention. You know, I think I think Mir has to really get at least at least two wins under his belt. I think definitely big countries won, you know, and I think, I think Mir and, and, you know, not saying that Cain Velasquez would, shouldn't be next in line, but even Mir and Cain Velasquez would be, would be, you know, apropos for the situation, just because those, those are, those are the guys that are, that are floating up there, you know, in that echelon of, of title contention. Yeah, Roy Nelson's done good, but he hasn't been tested. And I do agree a fight with Mir would be fantastic, but, Roy, Roy Nelson needs one more fight to, with another decisive victory, and Mir needs at least two fights before I start seeing him in the main event again. For me personally. Well, and I don't think you'll see Mir, you know, in, in a title pitcher for at least a year. I mean, we get Carwin and and Lesnar in July, and then the winner of that's going to get Velasquez, and then the winner of that's probably going to get a. Um, Dos Santos. If Dos Santos wins, I mean, yeah. um, they 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 they're holding Velasquez out just in case somebody gets injured, um, you know, for the the Lesnar fight, and then Lesnar, the winner of Lesnar Carwin will fight him, and then Dos Santos is going to get one more fight, and then yeah. you know he's next in line. So I mean, even if I mean Mir's got to at least fight once, maybe twice in that time anyway. So I agree, he should if he. I, that's the thing. I really don't like when the guys like they were talking about and um, 
you know, this actually segues into the whole thing with Gomi, that they were saying that depending on who won the fight, they were going to fight BJ Penn. And I'm like, I'm like, Gomi just came into the UFC. He's going to beat Florian and fight Penn. I really wasn't too high on that. What'd you, what do you guys think of that when some of these guys come in and they're up? Oh, automatic title shit. Not automatic title shot, but, you know, not enough fights to warrant it. I guess it depends on who you are. Yeah, and it's the history there. If it was the, yeah, if it was the old Gomi, I'd say yes. But the recent Gomi, before, before the Florian fight, he really hasn't shown much. But you're right, Josh. There is history with, you know, Gomi and Penn. So <laughs> it's a fight a lot of hardcore fans would like to see. If I, th- I think, personally, if it was the Gomi of old. Yeah. Um, I'll, I, will, I won't go into Gomi too much. I'll let you guys talk about this, and then we'll talk about Gomi. Well, no, I mean, it, it, we, that, that, was, that was pretty much the setup. Well, okay. Still on um, Gomi. Let's hear it. I, you know what? I like Takanori Gomi. Um, I think the guy is a good fighter. I think his training regiment sucks. Um, I think he really needs to get with a better camp. I know he's got his own school, but he also trains with Akiyama. Um, he kind of bounces around a lot. He really hasn't taken his training seriously. And he said he was going to get back to training seriously for the UFC, but I think it showed in that fight. Florian was better. Um, he was using his jab. Now, Florian, or Gumby's never been a real defensive striker. Um, yeah. You know, he'll take punches to land that big shot. But, you know, he couldn't even he get off. He the fight. Yeah, but he couldn't even get off, man. I mean, it was Florian was in and out, in and out, using his jab. And now in the second round, he used a jab slip and then a nice one-two to kind of stop Florian a little bit. But I mean, so he still has it, but he really needs a better training regimen. I'd really want to see Gomi explode in the UFC. I have, I don't know. I guess it's my soft spot for the Pride guys, which I've talked about before. Well, no, I, li- I like him too, and I wanted him to be successful. I mean. Don't get me wrong, Florian is always going to be Florian, and, and he's going to be great regardless, just because the, the kid, the kid and, and Joe Rogan said it best, he, um, he said he's, like, he's a student of the game, he knows the fight game from, from top to bottom. The guy, the guy is definitely going to have a belt at some point in his career, it's a given. I doubt it. With, you don't think so? No one in the lightweight division right now that is even anywhere near BJ Penn. Uh, unless BJ Penn dies, <laughs> he's never going to see a title. Holy shit! I mean, I think, he, I he, no one's going to touch him. Yeah, I think I think BJ is going to move up too. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't want to see it, but I think he his his. Uh, I'd like to see it with his new training regimen. I'd love to see it. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I would, I, I don't, um, unless he impresses me. Um, I mean, every every time he's moved up there recently, you know. It's not good. Yeah, I don't think he's got a shot against GSP. You know, no matter you know. I don't think anybody team. does. Yeah. No, I, I, I think BJ Penn. It's like, and I, and I like where when people talk about the super fights, like, oh yeah, GSP's gonna go up and fight Anderson Silva, and BJ Penn's gonna go up and fight GSP, and it's like that's great and all, but I and and it's happening with GSP when you clean out your division. All right, fine, move up, but. There's still there's still a couple of good fights, you know, that that can be had in, in every division, and I think I think Florian against Penn one more time, you never know, man. It, you know, it, like I said, it, it, neither upsets can happen, and I think if that happened, BJ Penn would move up because he's like, all right, you know, fine, you can keep the belt, <laughs> you know, you can keep it, it's fine. But um, 
for me personally, I, I do feel that, that Florian has the tools. He's a, he's a smart fighter. He, he gets better every fight. He's stepping up his regimen. I definitely feel, at least to me, and, and you guys you guys bring up a valid point. Yeah, while BJ Penn is, is holding the belt, it's going to be tough. But if anybody else could hold it, I'd say Florian, at least for me personally. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree. I, I, I really, really like Kenny Florian. Um uh, in fact, a little plug for our MMA gospel show. Looks like we're gonna have his brother Keith on soon. Um, nice. Yeah. The but I'll say this. I think what would be fair would be Kenny taking on Gray Maynard with the winner, basically getting a title shot against um, you know BJ or you know Frankie Edgar, who's you know a worthy opponent for BJ. Not probably not gonna beat him, but still very worthy. Uh, but I, I think that's that would cement Kenny getting um, a rematch if he could take Maynard on and you know and win impressively, I don't think there's any reason why Kenny shouldn't get a rematch. I will, I could rock with that, definitely. I think that would be good. Uh, Florian and Maynard would be fantastic. Great mix of styles. Um, you know, definitely there's going to be a lot of a lot of takedown defense and uh, sprawl and brawl for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be a good fight. Who do people like in that fight? For in the, and Florian? Yeah, Florian or, or Maynard. Florian. Um, you got Florian. What about you, Gary? I think Who you got? Me, I, I, I've got to go Florian as well. Okay. Josh. I, I said Florian. I, I think, I think Kenny's clearly the, the, the number two guy in that division. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I would go, I would go with Florian just on, on, on stand up alone. Don't let me wrong. Maynard's good. And, and Maynard's wrestling is, is sickening, you know, and he great takedowns, but 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 Kenny's the plugging all those holes in his game. His takedown defense is solid. His tie clinch is disgusting. Uh, you know, his elbows are, pre, are are good, especially from the clinch, and uh, his his ground and pounds improved greatly. And after his performance, his boxing, he's going to be really good at at keeping a guy like Gray Maynard from doing the shoot just because of the jabs and, and, you know, leg kicks. He's going to try and wear down the wheels to make sure that Maynard isn't going to come in for a takedown. That's right, yeah. Um, you know, I I think uh, Florian wins this fight hands down. While I like Maynard, um, you know, I think if, if Gray's going to, you know, try to take this fight to the ground, you've got to worry about, uh, even elbows from the bottom from Kenny, you've got to worry about his submissions. Mm-hmm. Submissions. I think that, you know, all around, while well, Kenny's a smaller fighter, uh, I think he's a much more technical fighter. Nice. And uh, last one before we close out fight night, um, how do you guys feel about Ross Pearson's uh, performance? I really like this kid. He has a, he has a, he has a ton of potential, man. I liked how technical he was. I mean, everything he did was 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 technically sound, and and um, I mean that that Dennis Siver guy is no joke. I mean, he's a good fighter too. Yep, I agree. Um, well, I'll tell you what impressed me so much is the interview after the fight when you know he talked about a strategy for the fight and how you know he really did have to um, you know in essence. Watch those spinning back kicks by Silver, um, or Silver. So, you know, I, I think the fact that at this young age, uh, where he's still learning, he, you know, and basically on a big stage also, he was able to kind of overcome what I'm sure was a strong desire to, like, just rush in there on a lot of occasions, probably leaving himself open, and, and fought such a, 
you know, smart fight um, against a very, very tough guy. So I, I was really, really impressed um, with Ross Pearson. I liked him, man. He, he from the Ultimate Fighter, he was very humble, and like you said, he was he he, he acknowledges the faults real quick. He's like, yeah, man, I should have worked on my range. I should have done more counters, and and that's good. That's that's just the evolution of fighters of the the new crop of guys that are coming out. You know, they're really good at figuring out the holes in their game, and they'll come back right after the fight is over. You know, still with their adrenaline rushing, they they will pick apart their own their own faults, and and I like that. I like when they come on. They're like, hey, man, I could have gone in there and done this. And, and it just shows a, you know, a testament to just the, the the evolution of fighters as a whole. So I was definitely impressed with him. I definitely want to see him fight again real soon. I thought um, Ross showed uh, good technical ability. Um, he has a tendency in the past to want to stand and really make it into a slugfest, and he didn't do that. Yeah. He moved in and out well. Uh, his head movement was well. He used great feints in the fight. <laughs> One of the things that Disturbed me a little bit, though, is he seemed to to rock him, you know, twice in the fight. Uh, you know, Severs was rocked a little bit, and he didn't go in for the kill. He was almost too tentative. You know, almost like they pulled that whole scrap mentality out of him, and, and there are times when you need that. And you know, I want to see him, when he does rock somebody, go in for the kill, go in and try to finish that fight, and he just didn't seem to want to do that. Um, so hopefully we'll see that, uh, you know, get, he'll improve on that, but... Overall, I was very impressed with his performance. Nice. All right, before we move into the, the ultimate fighter, um, I got some calls on the board. Of course, the switchboard was frozen, but uh, let's see if we can get these people in. Call me, come here. Going once. Anybody there? Oh, his hand raised. I guess he's not. All right, let's see if the next call is there. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Rich, it's Elliot. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? Hey, buddy. I just tuned in right now, so I don't know what you guys have been talking about or anything, so I'm just going <laughs> to ask you a question <laughs> regarding MMA. Hopefully you didn't talk about it already. But, Go ahead. Um, hey, man, I, was, um, I watched the last couple of events. I watched UFC 111, and I noticed um, in the post-fight interview, uh, Dana White was talking to, about possibly having John Fitch and Josh Koscheck fight each other. And Fitch was hesitant about wanting to fight him because he's his quote-unquote teammate. Now, that seems to be a trend that I'm seeing a lot in the UFC, and it's pretty apparent to me that uh, both Dana White and I think probably other media pundits are kind of getting sick of that excuse for why people won't fight each other. The same thing with Anderson Silva and Yoda Machida and, you know, Rashad Evans and Keith Jardine, all these guys, they don't want to fight each other because, you know, they, they train in the same camp. What is your opinion on that? Do you think that's a valid excuse for not fighting somebody? Gentlemen, by all means, this is all yours. Kirk, yeah, I guess let me you take can that. Uh, can I take that one first, actually? Oh, go ahead, guys. Go yeah, for it. Because um, I'll tell you what. Um, you saw a guy last night on the Ultimate Fighter, basically rearrange the nose of a good friend of his mm -hmm. in a fight. Yeah. And keep fighting. So you know, I think that says it right there that you know when these two guys, both of them fighting to try to get in the house. Um, had to fight each other, you know, they were, they were you know, going to put down their friendship and just, you know, in essence, fight until one of them could fight no more. And frankly, if two guys, you know, who are beginners um, and, and much, you know, lower right now level than uh, some of these more established stars can do it for no money, 
there's no reason why two teammates can't do the same thing. Um, I, I agree. I'm definitely firmly behind Dana on this. I think it ultimately could freeze out a title, you know, uh, or the two the best fight for a title if it happens, you know, with two best fighters happen to be trained together. So I agree with Dana. It's got to stop. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, you really don't have a problem with it. I mean, most of the fighters, they're at two different weight classes, but with with uh, Fitch and uh, and Koscheck, I mean, they're both top five in that division. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I actually asked Finch that I interviewed him, and I specifically asked him about Koscheck and Swick, about all those guys training at the same place and would they ever fight each other, and he said no. And then I specifically said, well, what happens if you and Koscheck are one, two, you know, and someone needs to, you know, fight for the belt. And he said, you know, he still wouldn't do it. And that really shocked me because, in, I mean, like yeah. what Dana White said, if you really want a title shot, I mean, you, fight him. I mean, it's it's 15 or, you know, 25 minutes, whatever, you know, put your friendship aside for your ultimate goal. If he's a real friend, he's going to understand that. I mean, just... It's it's stupid and, and it's amazing when he said that. I mean, I almost you know dropped the mic I was holding when I Damn, when he dude. said that. Right. Shit, I was shocked with with, with that response. That's insane. It's like, it, look, man, and, and and it's cliched, but Dana White says it. It's like MFA is not a team sport. Yep. It's not. You know, you go to a camp, you train with guys, they become your brothers in arms. You go out there, but sometimes you you, you got to trade with them. You trade with them in sparring. Just think of it like sparring on a higher level if that's what it takes to get you to do the job. But in but for all intents and purposes, you got you got to grow a pair, especially when it's when it's about money and and, and you know, getting a good payday and providing for your family. It's like, "Look, dude, 25 minutes, we'll beat the piss out of each other, then we'll go have breakfast tomorrow." You know, it's it's yeah. not it's not that crazy, man. It's really not. Right. It, it it disturbs me, especially with guys like that like Fitch, like Fitching and Koscheck, you know, Rashad and Jardine. It's like, "Are, are you kidding me, dude?" Are, are, are you guys joined at the hip? Does he sleep over the, at your house? Are you kidding me? Was he your best man? Even if he's your best man or your, or a close friend, close friends fight. It happens. But if it's for money, you might as well do it and wish luck to one of them. You know, it's like, hey, man, if you beat me, congrats. Right, right. I, I completely agree. And I think they really um, – I think that Dana White and the UFC really need to nip this in the bud, like, sooner rather than later. Because I, think I think they are. Yeah, and I get that sense because I just feel like if they keep tolerating it, then this is going to go on and on, and you're just going to have more drama, and you're not going to see good fights. And the other thing is, I think of um, another scenario. I think of is, is John Jones, who trains with Rashad Evans, who are both 205 pounders. Rashad's there right there in the title mix, and John Jones is going to be going for that title real soon. I, I you know, is my prediction. So what if they have to fight each other? You know, they're going to pull this kind of crap too, and just that stuff gets old. And as a fan. You know, you want to see the best people fight the best people. I want to see yep. Leona Machida and Anderson Silva. I want to see them fight at some point. And if they're, oh, you know, we're brothers and blah, blah, blah. I guarantee you Vanderlei Silva would fight any of those guys, you know, because <laughs> that guy's a real fighter. He doesn't care. Vanderlei Silva has no soul. <laughs> <laughs> he stole it a long time ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, Vanderlei Silva's not human. He, he'll fight anybody, and, and that's what I'm saying, because... When when you get to that upper to that upper level and and especially when when you're at a level where you have you know schools and you have people that follow your career closely and you have your your own camps and your own team you you, you realize that you have to lead by example and 
I don't know what camps, you know, how these guys are sitting in these training camps and their coaches aren't telling them, like, hey, you guys might have to fight at some point. So, you know, get used to the idea. Like, like I don't, like, you know, if you're great, if you were Greg Jackson and, and you're there and you're doing camp and it's like, all right, Jardine's got to fight Rashad. It's like, pull him aside and be like, look, you guys are fighting. Um, how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to train here with me? Does somebody want to train someplace else? Like, you guys have to do it. You know, it's not a team sport. And that's what I'm saying. Like, how do these guys get coddled with that shit? That's what bugs me. I'm like, who sits there and goes, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't fight your friend. Who does that? Right. We're all here to get paid. Are well, you kidding me? I think the problem is, now, I think they need to fight because they're, you know, really tying up a division. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I really understand how difficult it is for them to fight, not because they're friends. I don't care about that shit. I'll, I'll beat the crap out of my best friend for $100,000. You give me $10,000 and I'll beat the crap out of my friend. Um, okay, I'm not but, being your friend. <laughs> but uh, the bottom line is they, they're at the same camp. Their trainer is the same guy. It's yep. almost impossible to split your camp, and that's the problem. Um, yeah. you know, you're getting these very, very large camps. You've got you know, two or three are the top best, you know, the best in the country. All these guys are going there, and that's an issue because who, who goes where? Okay, who gets the main trainer? Who gets the sparring partners? You know, are you going to go train somewhere else with people you don't even know, you know, that you've never trained with before? How is that going to affect your performance? And that's the issue that I see. Not will I fight my friend or not, but sure, I'll do it. But you figure out how we're going to do this training camp because it could be detrimental to one or both of us. Well, right. In, in putting it in putting it like that, you know, I, I pose the question to you: if you if you had a, if you were running your your training camp and you had two of your guys, number one and number two, how would you handle it? This is you being the boss now. What would you do? Um, well, if I'm running my camp, then obviously I have a guy who is, I would say, you know, I guess my my second, the guy that you know is the man that's helping me run my fight camp. Right. Um, and I guess we'd split it up half and half. Um, whether we had to put a curtain up in the damn gym, I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure how we'd figure that out. But right. you know, I would still. It, that's tough. It's, I don't know what I would do, to be honest with you, because, okay, who gets which training partners? Um, you know, oh, you, well, you want this guy, but so does he, because he's the better wrestler. You know, how do you do that? It's a, it's a tough situation, but it's something MMA is going to have to figure out if this is going to continue to go. Right. Well, also, and I really don't... Also, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I really don't think that it's that common. I mean, I don't think that if it happens once that all of a sudden it's there's just not enough of these top guys that are going to be forced to fight like this that I, we might see it once every you know year once every two years where you know two guys two top guys in a in a camp are going to fight each other and I, I i think the 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 leader of that camp would want this to happen i mean I mean, yeah. one of their guys is going to be fighting for the belt, and I think that they're smart enough people to realize, okay, I'm going to cut it in half, and you're going to get this, and it's, it's, it, that's even. You're going to get this, that's even. It's, you know, two months of training, and then we're all done. Yeah. I, I was it it, that, it, that, it just happened, you know? Right. It's a yeah. win-win for the camp. You know, either way, I mean, you got, you're getting a title out of it. So, I mean, I the agree. logistical aspects, they can figure it out. And, 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 I mean, I, I think it comes down to a personal desire, too. Here's, here's my, my opinion again. If you're, if you're John Fitch and you really, like you guys said, if you really wanted the title 
that bad, then you'll fight whoever to get it. If you start saying, I'm going to make exceptions for my friends, then you don't want it that bad, so therefore you don't get a title shot. You know, you, you shouldn't get it. And I think the camp should look at it the same way. If it's, if it's Koscheck coming out and saying, yeah, I'll fight Fitch, you know, I'll, I'll fight him, then maybe they, you know, just devote their attention to him and say, well, you know, go do your own thing or, you know, we, I, I guess that wouldn't happen, but you know what I'm saying. It's just, it comes down to the motivation of who wants it more and, and for what reason. I didn't hear Koscheck say he didn't want to fight Fitch, but... Um, well, see, that's but what I would want to know. It's, we've heard Fitch say it. Has anybody heard Koscheck come out and say, you know, I don't want to fight Fitch? Not yet, no. <laughs> yeah, Koscheck strikes me as a guy who would fight anybody. That just, yeah, that's, they've said that they, don't, they won't fight anybody in their camp. Their entire camp has said they won't do it. Oh, really? Oh, God. Yeah, oh, man. Not a good trend. I think Dana White's just going to spaz out and be like, look, you're fighting who you're fighting, and that's it. And if you don't want to, and if you don't, you're not fighting for the UFC anymore. You know he's going to start having a, he's going to start cracking whips at that level. Because he's the boss. He's like, look, man, I pay you guys. You know, the company pays you, and this is what you're here for. You know, are you really going to forego a paycheck? For fifty, you know, for twenty-five minutes or for fifteen minutes? Are you are you kidding me? You know, he'd give one of his uh, f-bomb laden speeches, and it would uh, it would definitely change the dynamic as a whole. And he needs to start doing it, and he needs yeah. to start taking more more a stronger stance on it. Like, oh, I guess you don't want to fight here then. <laughs> yeah, MMA quick, MMA quick. By the way, in our uh, in the in the chat room, just said that Koscheck said this week that he would fight Fitch for the right price. There you oh, go. God, really? It's like, uh, dude, you're fighting for you're fighting for the, for a title. It's like really, is it really much? Like, like I don't, and, and to to not go try and go off on a rant. It's just the fact that you're gonna go and 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 throw it out there like that. Like, like you're like you have to you have to bribe me to do this. It's like, dude, this is your job. <laughs> right. Like it's all about you. Like, you know. Do, yeah. Where do you get off that for the right for the right price? You know, I could call you and be like, guess what? You cut. Now, yeah. now you get nothing. You know what I mean? Right. It's like that, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a of a really cocky way to go about it. It's like, dude, you're not that high up to be like, oh, for the right price. Like, dude, title shot. You want to fight him or not? It, it, that's really it. It's like, it's like there's no zeros in that paycheck. It's title shot. Then you're right. talking about the paycheck and you know bonuses and endorsements and all and all that shit. But title shot. You're in or you're out. It, that's really what the phone call should be. Not. Oh, how much are you going to pay me? Are you? Are you? He's out of his fucking mind. Yeah, we don't want to see it that bad. I mean, come on. No right, way. right. Yeah, and that's that. I, you guys hit on a really good point, and that's something that pisses me off about some of these fighters is that you, you know, how many of you guys go to your work and start making demands to your boss, but you know, and then expect them. You know, how many of you guys do that? Yep. I mean, the, the UFC is an organization. It's run by Dana White and Fertitta brothers. They tell you what to do. If you don't do it. Screw you, then. You know yeah. the UFC. The UFC is not Strike Force, not the not the dog Strike Force, but they don't. Their their whole organization isn't based off of one or two big name fighters. They have a, a a depth of fighters, and they've got a whole bunch of people coming up. You know, and the only and nobody like Josh Koscheck doesn't have the pedigree to to pull to try to you know throw his weight around like that. You know, if it was George St. Pierre or something, you know that would be totally different. But you know, George St. Pierre doesn't need to do that crap. So anyway, yeah, I completely agree, and it, so it just pisses me off when they just think that, well, blah, 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 I can do whatever I want, and that's part of what's screwing over boxing 
And I, I'm sure that Dana White n- does not want to, you know, end up becoming like what boxing is right now and all the drama that with all those egos and everything. Costa could have just been saying that tongue in cheek too, you know. Sure. Yeah, good. We got to look at the source too. You know, he can be a, uh, one, you know, one of those. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I, we we've heard other fight, fighters say that, so. Of course, of course. Yeah, of course. But that was it. That was my question, man. And thanks for uh, taking time to answer it. And just a couple quick things. I know you're going into the Ultimate Fighter, but um, I wanted to say I agree about Kenny Florian. Like, I do think that that guy is awesome and been a fan of his. So I hope he does get another title shot at some point. Um, hopefully it's not against BJ Payne because he'll get whooped. But <laughs> my other thing is that you guys are talking, getting ready to talk about the Ultimate Fighter. I really hope you talk about the French guy because that completely made my night. That was the funniest yeah. thing I'd ever, I'd ever seen. What Dana White said was, was funny. Yeah, it was classic. It was classic. It's going to be a good, a good season. I have a feeling. Yeah, we're going to put foot to gas because I think that, I think uh, we got thirty minutes. So. Well, All right, man. Said, I will catch you. Thanks a lot for calling in, Jedi. Yeah, keep it up, man. It's a great show. All right, thanks. See you. Peace. All right, gentlemen. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter and the uh, the Swan Song for the uh, the first uh, round table that. Uh, my take radio hosted, but nonetheless, um, off the bat, how do you guys feel about the new format for this season? I like it. I, li- I like the wild card thing. I think that's, I mean, it's something different than, you know, you're going to get seven, you're going to get the 14 guys are going to fight, and you're going to get seven winners, and then from the seven losers, you're going to pick, you know, two guys. And, and I, I think that's fair because, I mean, there's always, going to be this matchup where there's two really good guys and, you know, someone either, you know, squeaks out a decision or, or something and, and you know, we probably would would have seen them later on in, in their careers and, and, you know, if we get a tough, tough luck loss or something like that, you bring two guys back, let them fight and get that eighth spot. I, I think it's a good idea. Yep, I, I, I absolutely agree as well. Um, one guy I was hoping the... Uh, uh, the guy from Cincinnati who suffered had that really close fight and suffered the broken you know orbital. Uh, I guess that's kind of going to keep him out. Um, I guess O'Donnell, his name was, um, is probably keep him out of any opportunity to get that wild card because you know uh, Josh said that that's like a perfect example of a guy who you know, it was a real tough fight, um, ended up you know going into the overtime and you know losing a losing a really close fight. Um, who you'd love to see get another shot. So I, I also love the uh, wild card. And, and Frank, also, as far as just the overall fighters on the show, um, I think it's it's hands down the most talented cast, period. Uh, I was very impressed with a, a number of fighters. So I, I'm really now into this season. All right. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry. Oh, I think I'm dying over here. Um, <laughs> I I like the wild card. Um, I think it's definitely going to give two guys a shot that had really, really tough fights and just, you know, maybe eked out, you know, the decision just didn't go their way. Uh, so I think it's going to be beneficial to two guys for sure. Um, and it's a different format. It's you know, something fresh. I think it needed that. And i got to admit, man, I think this is going to be the absolute best season of the Ultimate Fighter. I think the talent levels. Hi, I think some of the stories they have, like the Court McGee story, if you don't know who he is, read his story. The guy was a heroin addict. He's actually died. Um, just wow. amazing story. Yeah. 
fantastic story. Of course, he is. Homework. <laughs> yeah, so there's a little background, you know, on him that if he makes it into this further into the show, um, you know, as he goes, if he makes it past his first fight, I'm sure they're going to dwell on this. I mean, they might do it right away because it is such a good story. Um, and it's great television. The fighters, <laughs> yeah, and the, and the fighters are all very talented from what I saw. I mean, thank God the French guy is not there. Oh yeah, that, that, that was. The I won't go thing. into him, but let me. We'll go into him in a minute. If you know, once you guys are ready. But what about the dude who just threw leg kicks? And yeah, the three head kicks. James Yeager, I think his name is. Wow, I want to see if the guy has hands because <laughs> he didn't show any. Not that he needed oh, them, but. Yeah, he fought the uh, the, the Hebrew hammer. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Yeah, he did yeah. us very, very, he did us very proud, uh, uh, you know, in our faith. Right, last <laughs> uh, around twenty seconds. He, he, he should have been called the the Hebrew anvil. Uh, oh because, my god! Yeah, the hammer got put to him. Oh yeah, right. he he got he really got he and it was funny because he ate the kick through the block. I was like, oh my god, that guy's dead. <laughs> what a but cocky guy Jaeger is also. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, I was impressed with Jaeger. Uh, Brad Tavares definitely got my attention. I was like, wow, that's crazy. The dude that um, that lost from the uh, from the lateral drop, I think, from the shoulder. Mm. Chris McRae, by the way. Chris McRae. Yeah. yeah, he's. I think Chris yeah. McRae is uh, really the guy to beat in this uh, tournament. He's, you know, just something else. And we uh, we were on. Uh, I was on a show Tuesday, Pure Adrenaline, and uh, Ryan McDonald, who's very knowledgeable, had come on and said that Chris McRae is just absolutely a phenomenal fighter, said beforehand, and I think just about every one of his fights, he's now, he's 5-0, and oh, and he, you know, he won yesterday, or in yesterday's telecast, but every one of his fights ends in like the first minute. I mean, this guy is just like Shane Carlin-esque, it seems. Nice. Well, the throw was definitely impressive for me coming from my wrestling background. I was, I actually might have, I, I may or may not have stood up in my living room and yelled. <laughs> it was exciting for me. Yeah, there were a lot of great fights. You, you know, I, I, a lot of people that, that I spoke to, you know, at work and stuff that that follow it now, they, they were like, you know, they they, they edited the fights kind of poorly. You know, one fight was over after the commercial break. I'm like, dude, you know, it, it's the yeah. first episode. It's like it's like we can't be, you know, an armchair quarterback for everything. It's like, yeah, you know, there were some fights I probably would have wanted to have seen in their entirety. But you know what it is? They knew how to how to edit it to show the most exciting stuff. And that's what you want to see, especially if you're trying to capture new audience members. And, and there, was, there was really no issue with that. I was, um, you know, the, the French guy definitely bombed me out because I'm like, really, dude? It's like you came all the way over here. And, and it's a chance of a lifetime. Oh, my God. It was, it was awful. And, you know, and, Dana, and that's one thing about Dana White I enjoy that he, he realized, like, look, I'm running this company, and if I want to say that the guy sucks on national television, I'm going to fucking say it. <laughs> I make Spike a shitload of money and, you know, give him a shitload of exposure. I'm going to say that he, 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 he's a Frenchie and he quit. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow. It was, definitely, yeah, yeah, it was definitely deep. Since we're talking about the Frenchie who quit, while that happened, how <laughs> did anybody else just die laughing when Chuck kept making the comments about tapping the strikes to Tito and Tito would and just ignoring him? <laughs> that was oh, great. 
Tito just looked off into space like I'm not hearing that. <laughs> oh yeah, I like I liked when 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 they were showing some of the fighters and and Chuck Liddell was like, yeah, I got this kind of cocky and. Tito's like, ah, you know, it's, 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 there's a fine line between cocky and confident. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, and, and so it begins. Yeah, no one really wants to see those two fight. But, no. well, I can't say that because I kind of like watching Tito get his head bashed in. Well, you know what it is with Tito? Tito, and Dana's not stupid. Tito brings a unique magic to the ultimate fighter. And you guys may agree or disagree. He, he's a fantastic teacher. He's a great motivator. He, he's, a, he's a great all-around coach. But the thing with him is that he definitely starts to, to, to take it personally, especially if he's coaching against a dude he can't stand. Like, I, 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 I own on DVD the, his, his season with, with Shamrock. And just the exchanges between them, I was like, yeah, these, these two guys make awesome television. I was kind of hoping the same thing with Rampage and Rashad until it became, you know, jokes about titties and, you know, doors getting broken. I was like, oh, fuck. You know, there's certain guys that the chemistry is so great, like Liddell and Tito don't like each other. When you look on the cover of the UFC magazine and you have uh, the little, the, you know, you have Calvin with a Chuck Liddell haircut pissing on Tito's name, you know that those two guys do not like each other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I tell you what was I thought was what was interesting also um, was you know every time you know Tito comes on the show you know you're prepared to hate the guy, um, but he's a damn good coach. And if you look yep. during the yes. fight, he was the one who was shouting all the instructions. In fact, that one yep. guy, you know, go underhand, underhook, underhook. Well, Chuck wasn't really saying anything. So you know, I, I think to a certain extent, you know, again, Tito sort of uh, reinforced that. Uh, when it comes to actually coaching, I think he's a lot better than Chuck. Yeah, I think. I think yeah, I, I agree. The one great thing about I'm not a Tito fan, but the one great thing about Tito is he's really passionate about helping young fighters. And mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but when I watch him on the Ultimate Fighter, I like him. Yep. Exactly. Because he puts his ego aside and he realizes he's like, look, I don't got much time left, you know. And he wants to impart his legacy on other fighters, you know. I, when he took Matt Hamill under his wing, I, you know, I, 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 that's what I kind of. You know, I've always liked Tito because he brings the shit talking to epic levels and it sells fights, and I enjoy that. But just what he did with Hamill was fantastic. You know, he was like, look, man, these are your strengths. We're going to try and work with you. I mean, don't get me wrong, he kind of favored him a little bit. But the guy recognized that the kid had talent and potential. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to start coaching these guys, and he's going to start seeing guys that, you know, he's like, these are going to be guys that, you know, top five in a division someday, sooner rather than later. Hamill, right? I mean, he was loyal to Matt Hamill after uh, after the show. Yeah, he, he Matt Hamill trained with him, and so did uh, Kendall Grove. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's not just doing it for the show. I mean, he after the show when the spotlight's off, you know, he he stuck with the guys he liked. Yep, Razor Rod is still with him. You know, it's 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 it's, it's weird with Tito. Tito's a a very unique individual, man, because it's like you want to hate the shit out of him. I do sometimes. And I'm just like, but, but, but he knows, man. He knows the craft. And I also like the fact that I was reading that he brought in a, you know, a, a, kind of like an acting coach to work with those guys to help them be comfortable in front of the cameras and, you know, to speak, pro, you know, to speak properly for interviews and stuff. You know, I, I, I really uh, enjoyed that because some of these guys, you know, you put the camera in front of them, they're like, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're mumbles. And, and I think that's a really great, Thing that he's doing because it helps these guys 
get prepared because it's like, dude, you're going to fight in front of 100,000 people, you know, 200,000 people someday. And, you know, when Joe Rogan puts that mic to your face, you don't want to be like, uh, I want to thank God and, um, yeah, and my party's here. You know, he wants to show that. And, and I really admired that. That's awesome. He showed another dimension to the game. And that's promotion. You're, you know, you're your own promoter. And if you suck at that, no one's going to give a shit about you. Yep. Because you, you guys know, you know, Turk with your show, you know, Josh, I see you grinding grinding Twitter out. We're, we are, our, you know, our respective brands. For, and, you know, nothing is harder than trying to sell someone, especially if they don't follow anything that you're covering. Like, you know, trying to explain MMA to somebody who's not a fan and bringing them in and then turning them is the best feeling. Oh hell yeah! And I think you know, and I think that with Tito doing that, he's 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 adding a a dimension to fighters that you know no training can ever give, and that's charisma. You you can't you can't train charisma from the guard, you know you can't that that's instilled through you know proper proper work, and some guys just have it, and some guys don't, you know, some guys are vanilla as shit, but he he's gonna weed that out too. He's gonna figure out who's marketable for Dana. And I think Dana Dana secretly is looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, other, you know, the other thing really, you know, when it comes with with you know Tito is that, um, you know, aside like you're saying, aside from you know the charisma and aside from everything else, he brings you know a, like I think it was mentioned, he brings a lot of knowledge. And I'll throw this out to everyone here: you're a young fighter, or or you're friends with a young fighter, or Say you're, you know, representing almost a young fighter. If you had a choice right now, your fighter could go on Team Ortiz or Team Liddell. What would you pick? Sure. Um. Oh man. <laughs> who, who are the uh, who are the coaches? <laughs> Jake <laughs> Shields is with Jake Shields is coaching with Liddell. You got to have right, him right. Shields. I mean, if we're just talking about just Liddell or just Ortiz, yeah, I mean, then just I would from the with main Ortiz. Coach. Yeah, just from Really, the um, just the main coach, if you had just had to go by. I would go I'll with go Ortiz. With Ortiz. Yep. yep. The kid, the, the guy's got it, man. I mean, say what you want to say about him, but he knows how to, I, I think Tito Ortiz could fight a wet bag of hair, and he'll make people order it. That, that's, just, that's just how he is, and, and a lot of fighters, that escapes them. A lot of times, and, and you know, I say this with, with Machida. Anderson Silva, not so much, because Anderson Silva has a really playful vibe to him. And, he, you know, he has fun with his, his smack talking and, you know, hype amping up a fight. But Leono Machida's fucking, you know, prep work for a fight in terms of promos and shit is the most boring thing ever. Horrible. I'm, Horrible. I'm like, I'm like someone, someone sit him down and talk to him. Tell him, hey, dude, you know, add a little bit of emotion. Don't have that blank deer-in-the-headlights look for the whole interview. It's like Joe Rogan said it in, a, in an article a while back, and even when he was on Open Up in New York, he's like, dude, when, when I put that mic in front of you, get your shit together. <laughs> and, it, and it's true. It's like, it's like you, you need that. And, and I think Tito's going to start a trend, especially when fighters are going to be more up and coming. They're going to start going to, you know, and, and this is an extreme, but, you know, go to an acting coach. You know, learn how to convey emotion when you're doing an interview. Don't stare at your feet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Turk always mentions, and he's right, is about also how important it is for fighters to have have good publicists and that to work with them. You know, so yeah. that's something you hope to see in the future more. Nice. 
Anything else to add, gentlemen, from for the uh, for the Ultimate Fighter? Um, no, it's going to be a good know, season. Just, yeah, I agree. It's going to be a great season. I expect this to be <laughs> the best season that they've uh, they've had yet, and I'd be surprised if the numbers don't show that. Hopefully, they haven't lost enough, lost too many viewers with some of the past seasons. Yeah, I was, I was really unimpressed with Rashad and and Rampage. I really, and especially when the when when the you know the whole eighteen thing happened and Rampage left, I was like, fuck, man, I endured a whole season of bullshit. Kitty jokes and, and and you know rampage and Kimbo and there's no payoff. Like I was really upset. I'm like fuck, man. I'm never gonna see these two fight. But now that you know rampage is coming back in, you know I'm excited. I like rampage. He's a charismatic dude. He, he's another one. He knows. You know, even though sometimes I wish that they put subtitles on the when he talks, but you know he knows he knows how to sell fights and. He needs to. He needs to. You know, stick around for that. I was so mad at that payoff, man. Because you know, you watch the season and you endure a lot of the bullshit. Because you want to see the coaches fight. Yeah, but th- that the, their trash talking was the worst. You know, fifth yeah. grade trash talk I had ever heard. And I figured coming from from Rampage, he'd have a little more game than that. <laughs> it was horrible. Breath oh, was jokes, nice. titty jokes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was, it was bad. so done with that season. I mean, I liked, I liked who came out, and that was cool, but I'm just like, ugh. Even Bisping, man. Bisping is good at talking shit. Originally, I was like, oh, boy. It's going to be really dry, but he stepped up his game, too. Like, somebody's been talking to him, you know? Like, like you start seeing guys really get their shit together, and they, and they start really getting good at Mike and building hype for the fight. And, and that's what I like. Like, you know who, who sometimes turns me off from fights? Dan Henderson, another one. You know, he's fighting Jake Shields. Like, dude, you're... Yeah, Jake, she I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and I like Hendo. Hendo's awesome. I'm like, oh, God, he's going to have the most fucking academical promo ever. He's on, like, a Quaalude. Say what? <laughs> he's on, like, a downer or Quaaludes or something. Oh, he's just, yeah. like... He's perpetual <laughs> sleep mode. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. All right. Well, with that being said, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Um, before we wrap it up, gentlemen, um, Gary and, and Turk, thank you guys for being on. Um, before you guys head out, by all means, hit us with a big plug. Um, yeah, and check us out, uh, MMA Gospel Radio, uh, every Wednesday. That's from uh, 8 to 10 Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 Pacific Time. Uh, check out my articles at fighters.com. Um, and keep looking for the new and improved MMAGospel.com coming soon. Nice. And, uh, Josh, hit him hit hit with all the details, because I know you got a couple of things. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't have a radio show, but um, I'm always available. <laughs> um, you know, go check out my site. It's uh, uh, www.mmavalor.com. Um, we just got a store about a month going on there. We got a lot of great up and coming brands, um, but the blog itself is, it's it's my take on MMA. Um, I don't recycle news. Um, you know, if, if there's something breaking, you know, I'll I, I'll you know tell you what I think about it, what it means down the line. You know, six months down the line, you know, things like that. I mean, I just think I do a totally different you know kind of angle on, on a lot of things. Um, for your listeners, though, in my store, if they go in there and they use um, the uh, the code MYTAKE at checkout, um, they can get a 15% off of uh, 
you know, their whole, uh, the, the whole order in there. We got a lot of good brands like Wreckage and KOBC, um, Fight Dirty, and, uh, I got, uh, some stickers, and then I got a shirt that's just coming out that's gonna be in there too, so, check it out. Awesome. Alright, boys. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for, for coming into my show, and, uh, well, thank you. Hitting thank us, you. Hitting yeah, us thanks for having knowledge. And, um, you know, I look, I definitely look forward to doing this again, you know, if you guys need anything from me or, you know, any, any kind of assistance in any shape or your form, know that you guys got, got friends on the My Take Radio side of things. So um, I appreciate everything you guys did tonight, and um, I look forward to having you guys back soon. Thank you very much. Anytime, Thank you, man. man. Really enjoyed it. Next yeah, time you're in New York, Gary. Anytime, Rich. Thanks definitely. a lot, Josh. Yeah. All right, man. All right. See you guys, see you guys around. Later, sir. Take care. All right. Later, Rich. Have a good night. All right, with that being said, we have, uh, wow, eight minutes of show. We weren't even playing. Um, overall, just a, a great show. Of course, the typical blog talk radio bullshit as usual. Um, definitely stop by um, com. Check out the store. Use my take at checkout uh, to get a discount. Um, MMA Gospel on Wednesday. Stop in. Check it out. They, they got a fantastic show. They get great up-and-coming fighters. Um, their Sarah Kaufman interview was fantastic. Um, that's what really made me enjoy their presentation and their offering. They, they're really fresh. They're really awesome. Um, check them out Wednesdays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern time on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And um, before we wrap things up, um, as I was discussing earlier in the broadcast, I'm working on a uh, My Take Radio similar to MySpace, Facebook, social networking site for fans of the show that like everything, games, movies, uh, wrestling, MMA, the works. I'm trying to find a way to integrate it into MyTakeRadio.com. It is a work in progress. Nonetheless, it's something that should be ready to rock in a few weeks. And um, with that being said, I really hope that you guys enjoyed tonight's offering. Uh, Definitely more MMA-centric than a lot of you are used to, and you know what, that's just the nature of the beast, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed it, and, you know, I, I enjoyed giving MMA its due. A um, couple of quick things, though. Uh, Handle was unable to continue screening. He was having some phone issues as well, nonetheless. Uh, Slick, if you're still listening, thanks for that. And, um, you know, all the work you guys put in and all the listeners. And with that being said, there's so much to talk about. And I only have, I think, six minutes left. But I'm just going to wrap it up with stopbymmagospel.com. Well, blogtalkradio.com slash mmagospel Wednesdays at 8 p.m. mmavalor.com. Stop in. Put in my take, 15% off. And that's going to wrap it up. I'm going to try and edit this show to remove a lot of the cursing that I did during the time that I had no sound. So with that being said, Thank all of you guys, you know, thanks to all you guys for listening and tuning in, and hopefully uh, the Blog Talk Radio shenanigans will cease with next week's episode. Thanks for listening again. Peace. Have a good night, folks.